non-rock a boatus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Brett, delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yeah! Yes! What? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go in the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. I got, yeah. I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when yeah. they're not. Take an amazing journey to a place that will blow your mind and move your heart so you will never be the same again. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are His delight. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22 and... Zach has one too. Go ahead, Zach. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue mutters wickedness. No one enters suit justly. No one goes to law honestly. They rely on empty pleas. They speak lies. They conceive mischief and give birth to iniquity. That's Isaiah 59, starting in verse 3. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Apologia Radio. This is Apologia Radio, the gospel heard around the world. You can get more at ApologiaStudios.com. That's A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A Studios.com. That's where you go to get all the past episodes, hundreds of them, actually, from when we were on the radio itself to all of this stuff we've been doing at Apologia Studios. We've got the actual radio. Uh, We also have uh, Provoked, our our show Provoked. We have Cultish. We have Sheologians. All of them are there for your listening pleasure and enjoyment at ApologiaStudios.com. Don't forget to sign up for all access. When you do, you make everything we do possible. If you've seen anything even happen in the last couple of weeks, you did that with us. So thank you to all of our ministry partners who do this ministry with us. We're grateful for you. You truly uh, are a part of this ministry with us. So God bless you and thank you. If you haven't signed up for, yet for Bonson U, it is completely for free. If you want to have some of the best seminary level education you can get today and get it for free, as I always say, it shouldn't be for free, but it is for free as a gift from the Bonson family. Dr. Greg Bonson, one of the greatest theologians, philosophers, and apologists in the history of the Christian Church, uh, gave us a true uh, amazing uh, treasury deposit uh, for the Christian Church, and we are going to have it all up at ApologiaStudios.com at Bonson U. It is free for you, so young men who are uh, feeling um, that you want to get equipped, uh, get made ready so that you can serve Christ, preach the gospel, defend the faith. If you are going into uh, vocational ministry, I mean, this is some of the best seminary-level education you will possibly yeah. get, and it's completely for free. Hard place uh, to find better. You will not find better. I don't believe you can. Bible studies, uh, family devotionals, all that is at Bonson U, and it is absolutely for free for you as a gift uh, from the Bonson family and, of course, Apologia Studios uh, to you. So make sure you get your free account uh, for that. And I want to say a big shout-out and thank you to everybody who partnered with us all of these years with End Abortion Now. 
Not only did you help us to raise up uh, almost 900 local churches globally, uh, most across the United States who are out saving lives on a daily basis and helped to save thousands and thousands of children from death, uh, you were a part of this historic moment with us. Uh, we've been able to get bills of equal protection into numerous states across the country, from Arizona to Texas to Colorado to Pennsylvania to South Carolina uh, to Louisiana. Uh, but we were part of, by the grace of God, a uh, historic moment uh, since Roe v. Wade, and that is that we had a bill yes. uh, that went past the hearing stage. It passed overwhelmingly. Some guys actually said, absolutely, mm-hmm. when they passed it in the hearing, uh, and then it made it to the floor. That has never happened in 50 years of Roe versus Wade. And so I want to say thank you to all of you who have been praying, who have been serving, who have been giving all of these years to endabortionnow.com. Yeah. Not only is the gospel going out because of your participation with us in this, the Word of God, but we're also saving lives and we're getting bills closer and closer to that day where Jesus finally puts us under his feet. And uh, we have uh, our first state uh, where we've abolished abortion and given equal protection to all humans in that state. So it's a big moment of celebration. It truly is a huge moment of celebration to have this historic moment where the church, the church, the church, the church was able to do this and get these bills not only into states, past hearing, onto the floor. That has been a work of the church. It hasn't been from the establishment. It didn't come from millions and millions and millions of dollars of annual donations. It came from a single church in the desert, uh, just partnering with Christians around the world, trying to be faithful to make this about Christ, to be consistent and all glory to God. And that brings us to the important moment we're in right now. Big moment. Some of you guys have been watching and keeping up. I want to first apologize for my, for my voice, as Zach will attest to, and of course, Luke as well. Arizona has some of the worst allergens. Gnarly. Gnarly. It is gnarly here. It truly is. It, it was bad when I moved here in 1996. It is so much worse today. It is just increasingly getting worse. And so like when the, che- when the seasons change a bit or the weather warms up or yeah. cools down, people go through about a month, two months of just uh, misery here. I'm almost begging, like, Lord, let, just let it be 115. Yeah, like, I know, seriously. Just, with. <laughs> could you just let it cook? Let it cook. So excuse my voice. I'm, I'm, it's unfortunate for this very important show. My voice sounds like um, I've swallowed sandpaper. But... Um, uh, we have just returned from that historic moment in Louisiana, and I know many of you were praying for us. You participated. You called these legislators, and you said, do your duty before God. I'm praying for you. You were encouraging them to be consistent, to be faithful. What you did mattered there. It mattered. Believe me, you had an impact. A huge impact. Those phones were ringing off the hook. Their emails were getting clogged up with Christians saying, as Christians, do your duty before God. Give equal protection. Make sure you're faithful to what you said you believed in. And so I want to thank you all for participating with us. It meant so much, and we're going to need you next time. Can can I just say one thing about that? I don't think that, you know, if you think that that was a small thing that you did, sending an email to your representatives, let me tell you something. You uh, directly took part in the discipleship of the nations. You had a direct part in the Great Commission with us in proposing godly, righteous, and consistent legislation. And when you push that send button to send that email to the representative to establish justice and to do the right thing, uh, you are taking part in exactly what Christ commands you to do. Even if you weren't physically present at the rally, weren't able to be there, uh, you were doing Great Commission work yes. by picking up the phone and calling the legislator and telling them to do what God commands them to do. So praise God for you all. Yeah, and you you were pressing the crown rights of Jesus Christ. Never forget that 
the gospel proclamation comes with, within it, the proclamation of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so when you go to legislators and you you press them uh, to be consistent, obey God, obey God's word, you're pressing the crown rights of Jesus Christ. You're acknowledging Amen. the Lordship of Jesus Christ over them. I mean, we can say Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, but in a moment like this, you showed it. Mm-hmm. You showed it. You said you have to obey God rather than men. You must obey Jesus. And so I want to say thank you so much to all of you who are part of this with us, and we're going to need you again. We're going to need you again. And I know that somebody might say, well, I feel really discouraged because these people who said that they were pro-life, that they believe that life begins at conception, they actually fought against the bill. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an amazing thing, and I want to give you this this uh, this this very true statement Um and you need to embrace it. We've been saying it for years, but all glory to God because of what happened in Louisiana, we've got their names on the dotted line, telling the world what their doctrine truly is. The pro-life industry and establishment, these pro-life legislators, they killed the bill of abolition of abortion in the state of Louisiana. Mm. The pro-choice industry did not need to get involved. Aside from a few isolated shrieks. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we had two people at the Capitol that day, two pro-choicers that were shrieking. One was applauding when we were talking about the murder of children. She was hooting and hollering like, yes, mm-hmm. yes, she was excited about it. I wish the legislators there would have uh, actually seen that because there's the pro-life industry's victim. Yes. Uh, hooting and hollering and just reveling in the fact that she would be able to murder her child. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. Everyone who was yep. there witnessed it. Um, but... The pro-life establishment actually uh, did the did the heavy lifting, yeah. did the heavy lifting for the pro-choice establishment in the state of Louisiana. The pro-choice establishment did not need to fight because they realized the pro-life industry they've got this for us, mm. they, and that's the truth. I am not being hyperbolic. And I said that a lot over the last week. I think over the last couple of years, when we've been saying, look, as a Christian church, as ministers of the gospel, this establishment does not hold to our doctrine. Yeah. They don't hold to the Bible. They don't hold to the authority of Christ. They are not gospel-centered. They do not believe the biblical worldview. We've been saying it. We've been saying they've been killing every bill of equal protection we put into all the states. We've been saying it. And I recognize, I'll be humble enough to admit, I recognize you might sound fringe. You might sound tinfoil hat. You might sound like you're just being hyperbolic. Mm-hmm. And now, Brothers and sisters, all glory to God. Now you know we weren't being hyperbolic. <laughs> that is, of course, until you saw the letter signed by over 70 pro-life organizations that specifically said, don't support this type of legislation because of the second victim narrative, right. uh, the woman being a victim, all of that. We're going to show all of Seeing that. Seeing it in print, seeing the, uh, them sign off on it, right? We're not talking about uh, vague organizations, right? We're talking about national the big organizations. Yep. And of course, there's harmony between uh, them and you know the lower entities. But right. when you see it in print, it's really something to behold. We're going to give you inside information in this show. I hope you share this show. It's very, very important that you do get the word out. Um, we're going to share things behind the scenes that we have not said publicly yet. And uh, you're going to hear things about Representative Seaball and Representative Ivy uh, that I'm sure that they wouldn't want people to know. And uh, Representative Seaball and Ivy, I want to encourage you uh, to 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 listen and to be humble enough to listen to what we have to say today and to the refutations of your position. In a matter of fact, you were lying, lying on the floor. Um, and uh, the fact of the matter is, you know that you were lying on the floor because I talked to you. Bradley Pierce talked to you. Zach Lautenschlager talked to you behind closed doors, and we refuted all the arguments you were using on the floor 
up and down and sideways two days before you actually went to the floor with those same lies yeah. and same bogus arguments. And I would rep- I would actually invite Representative Ivy, come on the show. Come on the show and defend your position. Defend the things you said on the floor. See if you're courageous enough to actually defend what you said on the floor under cross-examination. It's one thing to do it on the House floor and during a vote. It's another thing to do it here with us on this show. You were all given sheets with refutations of all of the objections to the bills. They were sitting on the desks of the people on the floor Mm -hmm. that day, and you continued to perpetuate a lie. And so in many ways, Representative Seaball, Representative Ivey, you are responsible for the death of every single child in Louisiana from the day that you resisted this bill onward. It is on your hands. You are directly responsible because you worked behind closed doors and in secret meetings to convince people not to pass the bill that Representative Seaball, you told me you did believe in. You were the man that said about the bill in the hearing, absolutely, absolutely. And I brought that up to you in a secret meeting, didn't I? Behind closed doors, our little meeting. I brought it up to you that you said, absolutely, because you saw the bill, you knew that it was consistent with what you professed to believe, and you said you only got into politics to do one thing, and that was end abortion. You had tears in your eyes with me. Hmm. And then two days later, two days later, Representative Judas stuck a knife in the back of Danny McCormick on the floor, and you repeated the same bogus arguments that were refuted to your face two days earlier. And so we're calling you out. We're calling you out. We're going to make sure we're going to make sure everyone in Louisiana knows about your compromise and the fact that you, the two of you, are specifically responsible for killing the bill of justice in the state of Louisiana. So you're saying it wasn't an issue of ignorance. No. It's culpable. Got it. It's culpable and we're going to go into that today. And on the show today, uh speaking of loving your neighbor, uh Pastor Luke is actually with us. But he is not live Virtually. sitting next to us because he's trying to love his neighbors. Because in Arizona right now, we've got the allergy attacks. We've got also a flu going around Arizona mm. that's pretty treacherous. And we've also got some kind of stomach issue that's been going around for like two months. And uh, so he's at home right now because of the potential of that sickness. And so he's loving his yeah. neighbor. He's quarantining, but not government ordered. No, it's it was personal. He did it <laughs> of his own free will in a court. Self-government. That's right. <laughs> Pastor Luke, what's up? It's uh, it's really strange being on this side of the uh, the Zoom call. Um, yeah, uh, and actually, I honestly think my daughter is dehydrated, which is another issue right now. It's a big issue right now. Yeah, it's crazy. I was talking to my wife today because I was trying to figure out what to do. Um, I think she's okay, but I wanted to be safe just because of the, the stomach bug that's so nasty right now. But have you guys noticed how many people have been getting like hit with dehydration? I, I, I mean, I've been here 15 years and I've, I don't ever remember being this bad. We had people at church, like almost passing on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Happened last night. Uh, I I've been taking my son to a, um, to a historic, uh, Japanese jujitsu and judo class. Um, actually to Jude's in it too, with stellar pastor Zach's son. And, uh, and in the, in the class last night in his, his class, one of the kids, um, started, uh, having a spell cause he was super dehydrated and uh Crazy. yeah like sweating all over each other well, yeah, it, too, but right? it wasn't that bad because no it was just it was it shouldn't have it, the class wasn't crazy you know okay. it shouldn't have happened like that but yeah it's like it's it, i saw it last night in a class as well yeah i uh i was working on my computer on i think it was monday and i saw like a thing pop up at the bottom and it said like 
extremely high uv warning or something i was like what the heck is that i've I've never even heard of that so i'm like looking it up and like i guess the uv levels have been like just highly dangerous like so anyways just to add to the treachery of this show between the treacherous uh uh, politicians we got to deal with health-wise here in arizona and the treachery going on in the louisiana House of Representatives. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's get to it, guys. Uh, So want to say to everybody who's listening, very important. We're going to say things today that specifically relate to an industry, Mm -hmm. to an establishment that needs to be confronted as the Christian church. That's the clearest thing I can say, is that what we're saying about this industry and their doctrine, because it is doctrine. Most definitely. It's what they teach people. Is, is not that we don't like that or, you know, we have a different methodology we've come up with. We think it's, we just think it's better. We, we want to try to run this play. We're ministers of the gospel. We're Christians. And what we've been trying to sound the alarm about to the Christian church, to fellow pastors, maybe like some of you who are watching right now, is that we have to understand that this industry has robbed women of the hope of the gospel. Yes. Because it tells them, as a part of their formal doctrine that they've signed on to, their formal doctrine is that the woman who has an abortion, who, who actually brings her child to the abortionist to have that child dismembered, decapitated, and disemboweled, that woman, and of course the man with her, who's helping her do it, yeah. they bear no guilt. Mm-hmm. There is no shame. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are under the pro-life establishment. If you're a woman, there is no condemnation. Um, there is no guilt. There is no shame. Now, I want to just direct this quickly to, we have a lot to go over today. We're going to show you clips and videos and all the rest. I want to speak directly to pastors for a moment. I'm a minister of the gospel. I'm a pastor. I'm not a perfect man. I'm not a perfect pastor. I don't have all the answers. I'm not the reference point. Okay? Let's put that out there. Nobody here wants to be a celebrity. Nobody here is a rock star. We are just Christians from a relatively small church in the Valley, in Arizona, who are trying to approach this explicitly as Christians with the gospel. We're trying to take what we preach on Sanctity of Life Sunday into the public square and to the legislature. We're not trying to have two sides of our mouths. Where we speak against this issue in church with the gospel, we call it what it is, murder, and we tell women there is hope in Jesus Christ and forgiveness, and there is washing, and there is freedom, and there is peace if you turn from this sin that you've committed to Jesus Christ. We know we, as ministers, pastors, you know that you've sat in the same rooms that I have with women who have had not just one, but two and three and four abortions, and you have poured your heart into these women with the verses that God promises, salvation and forgiveness and peace. You've poured those into those women. You say, you can turn from that to Christ. You can be forgiven and washed. And Jesus says it's finished and it's all washed away. Take your guilt and your shame to Christ. You know you sat in those same rooms just like me. Maybe you're sitting in one today. It's going to happen. If you're a pastor, if you're a minister in this country, it's going to happen to you. It will. Now, I want you to understand that the pro-life establishment says officially, their doctrine is, that what you said to her in the counseling room was not true. She does not need the forgiveness of Christ for her abortion because she is herself a victim. She bears no guilt. She bears no shame. There is nothing that she has done where she needs forgiveness because she is herself a victim. Now, brothers... We've been saying that for years. 
Now, that issue is the supreme issue. What does God say about abortion? And what hope do we have for women who have had them? We would say it's the gospel. Christ forgives the sin of abortion. Now, if you're a minister of the gospel, you're probably saying, yes, Jeff, get to the point. Well, here's the point. The pro-life establishment, they don't believe that. Right. They don't believe she's guilty at all. She bears any guilt, and she should never be seen as guilty for an abortion. That's what they believe. We're going to prove it to you. We've been saying it for years. And brothers and sisters, it's not just a quote-unquote gospel issue in the church, because that nefarious doctrine that they believe, that anti-Christian, anti-gospel doctrine they believe, moves its way from the conversation to the church, and it goes to the legislators. And they said, no, no, no. You can't pass a bill of equal protection that says that it's human from conception and deserves equal protection. The legislators in Louisiana go, wait, I thought that's what we believed in. And they go, well, well, yes, but we don't want equal protection as if we want the mother to be seen as guilty. She, you see, is a victim, just like the baby. And so what happens is, is this false, anti-Christian, anti-consistent, irrational belief that they have that you wouldn't see in any other category of crime and sin in in the nation. They've just created it to try to placate to the culture, to try to placate to the woman, to try to make friends with the world. And now that doctrine has moved its way to the legislature to kill the bill that they said they believed in. What do I mean by that? And I'll shut up and kick it over to you guys. They believe, they teach, they raise funds with the belief that what's in the womb is human from conception, fully human. They argue that. They say it's sacred. It must be protected. So that's why, friends, brothers and sisters, when these legislators before the hearing got the bill HB 813 on their desks. When they got it in front of them, they said, well, of course, of course. And that's why Representative Seabaugh said, absolutely to the hearing. Seven to two vote, get to the floor. We're voting on this. Representative Seabaugh said, absolutely. Why? Because that is what they say they believe. But after it passed the hearing stage, historic moment never happened before. The pro-life establishment, specifically Louisiana Right to Life and all the other organizations were in a frenzy. I want you to know that. I was there. Behind the scenes, it was a frenzy. They were in full panic mode. How do we tell all these legislators not to pass this bill? Do you hear what I said? The pro-life establishment told the legislators, don't pass the bill to abolish abortion. Don't do it. Because they don't want equal protection, brothers and sisters, so they killed it. And we're going to examine it all today. It's so important what you're saying about this being a doctrine in the pro-life industry. What, what is a doctrine? We have a doctrine as Christians that's tied to our fundamental foundation, and that is Scripture, and that is something that we're not willing to surrender. That's what it means to have a philosophical pre-commitment, a presupposition. We're not willing to sacrifice our ultimate standard. And when it comes to the pro-life industry, they're not willing to sacrifice that as their ultimate standard. What am I talking about? The philosophical assumption and pre-commitment that the woman herself is a victim. They're not willing to give that up. And so you have this collision of ultimate foundations, and you have what you're talking about in the legislative sphere, which is, let's just call it what it is, it's heresy. Yes. This idea that heresy, heretical teaching just exists within the four walls of the church, 
right? If we're talking about justification by faith, if we're talking about a violation of the doctrine of the Trinity, the deity of Christ, we recognize that rightly as heretical teaching. Any teaching that contravenes those fundamental Christian confessions. But somehow, when we don't recognize the alien invasion, this foreign idea, this assumption of a precondition that says a woman is a victim, right? You can't maintain that commitment and the commitment to Scripture at the same time. You might confess it in the church, just as you said, in the four walls of the church. No, people are guilty. They need Christ's forgiveness. That shame needs to turn them towards Jesus for cleansing and forgiveness. But when we make our way over into the legislative sphere, because of that collision between ultimate commitments, what you have in the public square is heresy. Yes. And we don't recognize it because we have limited heresy and heretical teaching to the four walls of the church. And so that way, when we go and we apply the word of God to the public square, we don't realize that what we're actually doing is committing heresy when we introduce false and ungodly and inconsistent legislation. And so let's just call it what it is. This idea, this fundamental pre-commitment that colors all of the laws that we see surrounding this issue that lies about the the women or the man, whoever's responsible, uh, that says that you can kill this group of children but not this group of children. What do we call that? Partiality, right? Showing favor to one group over the other. We recognize that in the walls of the church. James recognizes that, right? He says, you can't tell the rich person, hey, come up here, have the nice seat, and then you guys, you get the back seats, right? What are you doing? You're treating them partially. We recognize that in the church and we don't allow that. But when we get to the public sphere and we say, you can kill this group of children, but not this group of children, what is that? It's heresy. It's heretical teaching. That's right. But we got to recognize it so we can confront it. Yeah. Luke? Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't want to get too far into this uh, just because I know we're going to get knee deep in it in a second. We're all uh, fired up today. I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. We're fired up. <laughs> I was going to say that. We're fired up. We were fired up last week. I was re-watching the hearing again this morning and I'm fired up all over again. Um, but I know Jeff, you kind of mentioned it earlier. We've been what took place in Louisiana, we've been saying has been happening for years now. And I just think people don't believe us. So I want to offer some encouragement because yes, this this bill didn't we didn't get the result we wanted with this bill. Um, and we're gonna hold those accountable that are accountable for it. But in some ways, uh there's a lot of positive things to look at from this that being we have forced the pro-life industry to not only say out loud what they've been saying behind closed doors and put put it in writing that's right put their name to it you know sign it and and in many ways that's a win because people just haven't believed this and now we say here it is here this dude put his name to it this is what they're saying behind closed doors um and they're frauds and they've exposed themselves so we forced them to expose uh their fraudulent ways and so in many ways that's a win and um yeah Yeah. i'm ready to get into this because well and let's get to that luke so i'll stick on that point you just made in terms of we've been saying this for so long we've been saying it for so long we even made a movie about it Babies are still murdered. Here is our film. Go, it's the, yeah, it's the, it's the basis of ba- the movie. Babies are yeah. still murdered. Here is part two. Uh, babies are murdered. Here um, uh, is part one. Mm-hmm. Babies are still murdered. Here we released a couple years ago, and uh, encourage you to watch it. It's free on YouTube. Uh, and the whole point of that film was to try to sound the alarm to ministers of the gospel and to Christians that this industry 
they are not Christian. They are explicitly not Christian. They say so, and they are not fighting this on the basis of the authority of the Word of God or consistency in legislation. Uh, they have a doctrine that they are impressing. She's a victim, she's a victim, she's a victim. Now, we said this years ago. We, sound, we were trying to sound the alarm and say, believers, brothers and sisters, listen to what they're saying. These are the top people. This is what they believe. And this is why they're resisting uh, bills of equal protection. They don't want to see abortion abolished as a crime in their state. They don't want that. They're not working for that. Um, and so I just want to prove it to you and just kind of take you through the line here of some stuff that I think you need to see before we get to they're putting their, their names on the line. Yep. They were, Listen, and Luke made a good point. This forced them to put their name and approval on a page. The biggest organizations, large ones, put it on a page with their doctrine, and they had to release that one day to all the state legislatures across the country. Same day, correct? Uh, I think it was the night before, wasn't it? Or maybe it was the same morning. Okay. I'm it not sure. Very close. It, it, it was either the night before or it was the, the day of the, the, the actual vote on the floor. So they felt compelled. To they do that. were compelled because, because of, of the Louisiana bill. bill, because of the bill. They had to force them to not vote on it. So here it is. This is, um, this is from the film Babies Are Still Murdered Here. I want you guys to see it. It's absolutely fine right there. Sure, I'm the director of American Victims of Abortion for the National Right to Life Committee, and that is one of our several outreach programs. It was developed in the early 1980s by women like myself who have been through an abortion experience. What? Did you get the language? Don't miss the language. Don't. Yeah, listen closely. Listen closely. I've been through an abortion experience. Do you hear thieves talking that way? Right. In other words, it was something that happened to me. Right. Something that I sought out. Yeah, like when people, you know, commit theft and they're within the church and like they come to Christ later, they've been to prison and all the rest, right? Heists and robberies. Do they then start organizations later to say, people like myself that were, you know, that had theft experience, <laughs> a theft experience. A theft experience. <laughs> All right. No, what do we say? Like, I was a thief. I stole. I, you know, I did this. Right. I did this. I'm guilty. Right. And God forgives thieves. Right. She says, I had an abortion experience. No, no, you delivered your child to be killed via abortion. Right. And you know what? I want to say that to her because if I was talking to her on the street, I would want her to know Christ. That's right. I would want her to know his forgiveness. And I think I would hear in that, wait, 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 are, are you not accepting culpability for That's what right. you've done? Don't you know that you need Christ, that he can forgive you of your sin? Why are you trying to pass it off as something that happened to you, an experience that you happen to have, not something that you actually are culpable for? Yep. You did this. You did this. And, and it's such a joy to see uh, you know, um, some some very important people in the pro life industry, like Abby Johnson. Now yes. she is she has moved away to consistency to say, no, I did this. Mm -hmm. I'm responsible, and I'm really glad to see that. She's I, commenting underneath Louisiana Right to Life, saying, "What are you guys talking about? I thought we're fighting for equal protection. Right? I thought we believed it's human. What do you mean? Whatever do you mean? And so it's it's listen. The only hope we have, any of us, is to come to Christ with our whole self mm -hmm. broken. So he can raise us up, right? And so we come to Christ as sinners, confessing sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
if we confess our sins. Yeah, right. Right. We don't come to Jesus and we like, you know, he's saying, well, he says, well, you, you're guilty of that. You, you need to repent of that. And we go, well, you know, Lord, um, I mean, you know, not kind of. I, I went mean, through this adultery you know, experience. I, you know, I had an adultery experience. No, yeah. no, no. I committed adultery. I was an adulterer. And so just hear the language, brothers and sisters, because it's critical. Now, is this, this is Olivia Turner, right? Olivia, I kinda, yeah. yeah, I remember her. Yeah, here's yeah. more. Alongside of sometimes the fathers of aborted children. And we are really uh, a public, uh, if you will, public witness to what we know about the experience of abortion from the inside. The pro-life movement has a lot of women who are active in it who have had abortions. And they very much argue that the mother who got the abortion is also a victim. Okay. Hey, ladies, I'm Jeff. What's your name? Hey, I'm Jensen. We'll get to that in a sec. Um, that was so Carol. That was Carol, Carol Tobias. Tobias. She is the president of National Right to Life, one of the largest pro-life organizations, if not the largest, yeah. on the planet. Now working in uh, not just the United States of America, but other places as well. Mm-hmm. And so that is from the horse's mouth, as they say. Um, so you, glad we got that interview. I know. And it, it's totally providential because they didn't know who we were. Mm-hmm. And we sat down and they just said it with their own mouth. That's what the Lord gave us. Can I just tell you, like that whole experience, 2017 National Rights Life, my mouth was on the floor listening to these people talk. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. And so let's get into that question. So you heard there uh, the leader of uh, National Right to Life saying that they believe that the woman is herself a victim. Now, we dropped this film. We've been saying it for much longer. Um, but we dropped this film October 31st, 2019. So 2019, we dropped the film with these interviews with their own statements, not just us saying they believe this and they were like, no, no, we don't. No, that's that's what they believe. And they're not ashamed of it. When we dropped our bill here in Arizona of equal protection and abolition of uh, abortion in Arizona, we dropped it. And um, it was Kathy Herod from Center for Arizona Policy that came out publicly and immediately the day of the rally we had and said that they believe that mother and baby are both victims. So this isn't an anomaly in the movement. This is their doctrine. This is what they believe. And this it's is almost what they like teach. their efforts are coordinated too. Right. right. <laughs> and so, uh, very much so. And so I want you guys to, to see more here. Um, I'll give you an example here. If you look at my screen, um, this is uh, Forbes. Uh, this is the article Forbes had. It said, anti-abortion groups warn lawmakers against criminalizing having an abortion. How'd you like to have that written about you in history? Yeah. How'd you like that written about you in history? That's on record in history, by the way, now. That's on record. Forbes, big publication. Anti-abortion groups warn lawmakers against criminalizing having an abortion. Let me go ahead and restate it if you there didn't you hear go. it. Yeah, do that. Pro-life groups. Pro-life groups warn lawmakers against criminalizing having an abortion. That is how Forbes interpreted they're putting together 70 or 70 plus, or was it 70 yep, signatures 70 yep. uh, signatures to legislators, legislatures across the country telling them, do not do this. She's a victim. You want to hear what they said? Here it is. Um, <clears throat> this is uh, the letter itself. If you look at my screen here, uh, open letter to state lawmakers from America's leading pro-life organizations to all state legislators in the United States of America. That's bold. Mm. Every state, all the legislators, May 12th, 2022. What day was our vote, Luke? 
you're better at this than me. What day was our vote? I don't even know what day it is today. What is it, Thursday? <laughs> um, uh, I, it was the 12th, right? I think it was that There Thursday. you go. Yeah. So yeah. the day of our bill, when it's going to the floor, an open letter to state lawmakers from America's leading pro-life organizations. And here's what it says. Um, da, 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 move down here. It's all arguments about the adverse emotional and psychological effects yeah. on women. Coercion. Co- yeah, all that stuff. And then it says here on the second page, ready? Bold print. This is what they wanted everyone to see. Women are victims of abortion and require our compassion and support, as well as ready access to counseling and social services in the days, weeks, months, and years following an abortion. I wonder why that is. Why do women need counseling? Why would a woman need counseling when she has had an abortion? Could it be that she's made in the image of God? And could it be that she knew exactly what she was doing? And could it be that in many cases, these women, when they do it, they are bragging about the fact that they're murdering their child? We're going to show that to you. We can show you hundreds of videos. We could do the next six months with videos of women bragging about the fact that they're killing their children. But here's their statement. Women are victims of abortion and require our compassion. Pastors, you believe that? That the woman who comes in your office and said that she's had three abortions, that she's a victim? That she just needs your compassion? Or does she need the gospel, the compassionate call of the gospel? They don't believe that. Um, mm. It says, um, we state unequivoc- unequivocally that we do not support any measure seeking to criminalize or punish women, and we stand firmly opposed to include such penalties in legislation. I'm going to read that again because it's devastating. We state unequivocally that we do not support any measure seeking to criminalize or punish women, and we stand firmly opposed to include such penalties in legislation. Now, are you guys ready for the bomb to drop philosophically, theologically, apologetically? Are you ready for this? They just went on record in history. This will go down in history, saying that the woman is never guilty. She should never be punished for killing her baby in the womb, which means if the leaked draft of the overturning of Roe versus Wade is true in the states that say, okay, now we have enough courage to protect life in our state. And they actually say, if an abortionist does it, he is criminally guilty. Maybe he needs to pay a thousand dollar fine for every baby he kills. I mean, that's one of the issues. Um, Okay. So no more abortion mills in that state. Did you know that in history for thousands of years, women have been killing their children in the womb via pills and potions and other means, various methods. Did you know that in the early church, that the early church had to actually come out with a confession and creed against the issue of abortion, killing your child in the womb, calling it murder. And the early church had to fight against this issue back then with abortifacients where women were killing their children in the womb. And the early church has to now has believed that abortion is murder and the woman is culpable. And so what's amazing here is it is now on record as a matter of history that the pro-life establishment and industry has said, has said, you are not guilty woman for killing your child in the womb. So let's imagine a scenario. Will you? Where in a state after Roe v. Wade falls, and it should fall because it's an evil opinion in the first place, but the state finally has the courage to say no more abortion mills. And if you're an abortionist, you can't do it or you'll be criminally penalized. Maybe it's a fine, maybe it's jail time, whatever that is. Do we think that women in that state are still going to find ways to procure abortions for themselves? Will they still be taking pills and potions to kill their babies? The answer is unequivocally 
Yes. Because traditionally it has been DIY. Do it yourself. As a matter of fact, did you know that when they did the leak uh, of what's happened in the Supreme Court, did you know that Vice shared an immediate article helping women to understand how they could kill their babies in the womb by taking horse medication? Interesting. Um, And did you know that this article was just shared widely? So the question has to be asked to these organizations. You've gone on record now and said unequivocally, she is not guilty. She is a victim. She should never be punished, ever. Now, I'd like to see how you're going to respond in Louisiana when the abortion mills are no longer accessible and women are still killing their children in the womb. Your answer to them is, well, feel free, sweetie, because you're never guilty of killing your child in the womb. I mean, isn't that the position now that you've gone on record with? Isn't that your doctrine? Isn't that what you've said, that she is not guilty? She is never to be seen as guilty? So when these mothers, through pills and potions and other means, kill their children in the womb post-Roe, they are not guilty at all, according to the establishment. And it's official. I don't know if it's just the feminist zeitgeist. Right, the spirit of of all things in the air, not you know being able to speak against or rebuke the sins of women in any capacity. Like I don't know if that's how we got here officially, but I mean the fact that you can allow even that to go on and there to be zero culpability based on what you published and put in print. Listen to this. Big problem. Criminalizing women is antithetical to this charge. We will continue to oppose legislative and policy initiatives that criminalize women who seek abortions. And we will continue to work for initiatives that protect unborn children and policies that provide and strengthen life-affirming resources for abortion-vulnerable women. Abortion-vulnerable women. So this is not Christian. This is not biblical. This is not gospel-centered. And notice very the, the, notice the contradiction here, the convoluted thinking here. We will never support and we will continue to oppose any legislation that criminalizes the mother because she's not guilty and she's a victim. And we're going to continue to actually promote legislation and things that protect the lives of unborn children. How do you do the two things when it is the mothers who are bringing the babies to be killed? How do you do that when it is the mothers who are taking the pills and potions to kill their children? How do you say, we're never going to criminalize that, but we're going to protect those children? Mm -hmm. Brothers and sisters, friends and family, it is the woman who is bringing the child to be killed. Never forget that there are no abortionists running around neighborhoods in your city and in your neighborhoods looking for children to dismember. They have air-conditioned locations to do it, and but they sit there in those air-conditioned locations waiting for the client to show up to bring the baby to them. And so this is actually a good moment for the church because now, as Zach says, the heresy is on record. And if you look here, take a look at my screen, here is page four, Carol Tobias, President, National Right to Life. At the top, right? I At believe. the top, yep. very first one, first one. So you know, you know, it's got the strength of the industry. If you look down, you notice the other mm-hmm. names there. Uh, among those is listed uh, secular 
right to life. Oh, for sure. I wonder. Yeah, for sure. Same uh, presuppositions there. Uh, Secular Susan, presuppositions. Susan B. Anthony list, uh, March for Life Action. Mm-hmm. And check this one out. This is interesting. Brent Leatherwood, acting president of Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. ERLC. Southern Baptist Convention. Mm-hmm. Now, I was at the Southern Baptist Convention members meeting when they officially adopted... At the Southern Baptist Convention, abolition. And if you look at those resolutions, you'll see that they are biblical through and through, and they stand on the Word of God. And Brent Leatherwood, sir, you should tender your resignation with the Southern Baptist Convention because you do not agree with your convention. And that's one thing that Tom Askell has been pointing to as well. But here... He's been on fire lately talking about this. Here's the list. And so... You know, here we go. Benjamin Clapper, executive director of Louisiana Right to Life. Benjamin Clapper, the man who knows this bill is righteous. The man who knows this bill has to be done. The man who knows that this bill is justice. Louisiana Right to Life. He resisted this bill and fought against this bill. You should never send another penny to Louisiana Right to Life ever. They are compromised, never help them again. And if you get a chance to talk to them, call them to repent. Call them to repent of their compromise and their lies. They fought against the bill probably more than anybody in the state of Louisiana. So let Benjamin Clapper know that you are severely disappointed that he actually is accountable now for the children who are dying in Louisiana. He holds that accountability. He needs to turn to Christ from what he's done. That is, you know, might be a hard thing to say and hear. You might sound radical for saying it, but you know what? I'm not a career politician. I'm not. And that's one of the three things I want you to hear right now. The threats that came our way, that came Brian's way over the last couple of weeks. Do you know how many politicians contacted and said things like, I'm talking like congressmen, national level, calling and saying things like, this will ruin your career if you do this. Talking to pastors. Hey, friend, we're not politicians. We're not in your game. We're ministers of the gospel. We're pastors. Our duty and our allegiance is to Jesus Christ. We're not playing the games that you play, and we don't care to have your friendship. If you're going to compromise and you're going to war against justice for these children, then no one's looking to compromise with you or be friends with you. We're not called to be friends with the world. We're called to have allegiance to Christ and to Christ alone, first and foremost. And so, you know, yeah, Jesus says he didn't come to bring peace on the earth, but a sword, and he divides. And so, you know, if you're afraid of your career and the consequences that a bill like this would do, well, you're going to answer to God for that. That's a hard saying, but it's true. But from our perspective, we don't care about our careers. Because you know what? First and foremost, and I say this at church all the time, this isn't a job. Yeah, your career. That's This, this isn't a job. This isn't a career. I'm not a professional. I'm a minister of the gospel. So you can honestly go pound sand with your threats. Pound sand. Because we're following Christ and we're going to stand in the same place in history that Christians have stood when they've stood against evils in their day, like the issue of slavery. Isn't it amazing that in history now, people look back at those who opposed abolition as the bad guys in history. And some of those guys were calling themselves Christians Mm -hmm. and they were opposing slavery. And you know, and I know that they are on record, not as the heroes, but as the bad guys in history. And so you guys are officially officially the bad guys in history, homeschoolers 200 years from now are going to be looking back at you as the nefarious bad guys lurking in the background, resisting justice. And people will wonder, how did people actually profess to be believers 
and resist a bill like this. And so your pictures aren't going to be carved into the sides of mountains. No, those are the heroes. Those are the ones that don't compromise. Those are the ones who stand with conviction and they fight for the truth. Not the people who compromise and are worried about their careers like you. <laughs> As if they could be turned into hirelings to sacrifice their principles. Seriously. Right? Like, you guys, you know, your career is going to be really in jeopardy. I'll, I'll make this. sure your career is ruined. <laughs> That's laughable. The only person that can cancel me is Jesus. So um, <laughs> well, that needs to go out publicly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if, I could, if I could jump in real quick, I at this point, so I had a conversation this week with someone that we know very well and love that's on our side ultimately. And they were like, Hey, you need to, you need, we need to be building relationships with these people. And I'm, my response was, how do you build a relationship with someone who to your face says that, that they know what we're doing is the right thing to do and then goes on live public television and forms a coup and stabs you in the back. Yep. Like the only relationship with that person at that point in time is I'm calling you to repentance, <laughs> right. to do the right thing right. and it's not being a coward. Yep. And I'm going yep. to call you out because you deliberately lied when you knew the truth. Like, so, so we're not here, we're not doing this to build relationships with these frauds we're we're doing this to ultimately just one to honor Christ and two to save the lives of our preborn neighbors. That's right. And so for me, the relationship looks like holding people accountable, not being buddy buddy and making sure that they're going to return my phone call at some point. Right, Luke. Yeah, to that point, that's good. I'm glad you good brought point. that up um, because I want everyone to hear something very important. Um, there were legislators, there were pro life groups that told us days leading up to the vote itself on the floor, they said, the bill is true. I agree with it. It has to be done. It will need to be done. But here was the most common thing said. Are you ready for it? Now is not the time. Yeah, later. Now is not the time. They whispered it. That's the truth. I'm not lying to you. Tell the truth before God. I'm going to stand before Christ, and this will be the truth then as well. They said, we agree with that bill. It has to be done. But they kept saying, now is not the time. It, it, it was almost as though they were sharing that with each other because they were all saying it. We agree with the bill. It has to be done. But now is not the time. That's what they were saying. Now is not the time. So they resisted the bill on the floor and they killed it. The bill that they said they believed in and that had to be done. But they said, but now is not the time. You need to know that. Back on this point of the woman victim, you need to see this too. Remember um, remember when this, I have to, I'll confess, I will confess this. Um, many of you guys know that when Donald Trump was running for president, we were very skeptical. We were. We were. We took a heck of a lot of heat. Hugely skeptical. Yeah, and 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 I want to just, just okay, please show, show us some, show, show us some grace and mercy here, please. In terms of where we were at at the beginning of that, I grew up, I mean, I was born in 1978. I grew up in the 80s through the 90s, and obviously, um, and uh, that's how I'm here. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't skip it. Uh, but I grew up with like Donald Trump on the news and listening to Donald Trump here and there. When everyone knew who Donald Trump was. And so when Donald Trump comes out as pro-life, I go as a pastor, huh? Yeah. Like when? Yeah. When did this happen? Now, I'm thankful for it that he said, you know, hey, that's a preborn human being. We got to protect those lives. I'm thankful for it. But I was very skeptical. 
And then I saw him say something. I was like, hey, he seems like he gets it. But I'm only aware of this one time where he said it. Because only took once. I was told that after he came out and said, I'm pro-life, and he said this, what I'm about to show you, I was told that the industry leaders immediately got through to him and were like, no, 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 no. That's not what we believe. And I'm sure it confused the heck out of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. That he was like, wait, I thought we believe this is human life from conception. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe. I thought we believe it's unjustified taking human life. And then the industry comes in and goes, no, 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 sir. We don't want equal protection. Not like that. So I want to, I'm going to replay this for you guys so you all have fresh new memories. Um, this is where Donald Trump goes, that's our position, right? Yeah. And then the industry comes in and backs it up and goes, please don't do that. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, here's, here's Trump. What should the law be on abortion? Well, I, I, I have been pro-life. I know. What should I've the law? I know your principal. That's a good value. But well, you know, what should be the law? This presidential election is going to be very important because when you say what's the law, nobody knows what the law is going to be. It depends on who gets elected because somebody's going to appoint conservative judges and somebody's going to appoint liberal judges depending on who wins. I've so, never understood the pro-life position. Well, I never understood you know, it because I understand the principle. Understand. It's human life as people see it. Which but what it crime? What, well, what crime is it? Well, it's human life. No, should the woman be punished for having an abortion? Uh, look. I would say that it's a very serious problem, and it's a problem that we have to decide on. Uh, is it's very hard. But you're I mean, for banning you it. Say, well, wait. Are you going to say put them in jail? Are you, is that well, the punishment you're talking you, about? Well, no, I'm asking you because you say you want to ban it. What's I, that mean? I, would, I am against. I am pro-life. Yes. What is ban? How do you ban abortion? How do you actually do it? Well, you know, you'll go back to a a position like they had, where people will perhaps go to illegal places. Yeah. But you have to ban it. Do you believe no, in but, pun- but you're, Do you believe you're, in punishment for abortion? Yes or no? Is principle uh, the answer is that there has to be some form of punishment for the woman yeah there has to be some form 10 no, cents, 10 years you, i don't what? know that i don't know he just thought about it logically and consistently he adopted the pro-life position he was trying to be consistent good on him and you never heard that again not that i'm aware of and i was looking um because like i said i was told that when this happened, the pro-life establishment immediately swept in and said, uh, please don't say that because they don't believe what Donald Trump said there, which was the consistent position. They don't believe it. And what they believe is things like this. Can you imagine this being written about you? Check this out. Look at the screen here. Louisiana right to life opposes bill seeking abortion. Louisiana Right to Life said in a press release that their policy is to hold accountable the individuals performing abortions or selling chemical abortion drugs and that abortion vulnerable women should not be treated as criminals. The group said HB 813 is not consistent with that policy. How'd you like this to be written about you in history? 200 years from now, homeschoolers are going digging back and they're putting together little essays and things are looking back and they find this article. Louisiana Right to Life opposes bill seeking abolition just plug in the other major social injustice of recent history right anti-slave activists oppose legislation seeking abolition can you imagine (laughs) i mean seriously i'm sorry it's not really funny but it is funny it is funny yeah that you would have a civil rights organization in like 1859 opposing bill to abolish slavery you would say that's laughable. That's why you exist, right? That's why you're that's why you're doing this. That's why you're getting paid. Am I right? Isn't that why people are paying you because you're working for equal protection for all of these blacks? 
Don't you want them to be free? You opposed a bill of abolition? And they say, no, no, no. See, the thing is, it's just not now. I know it needs to be done, but now is not the time. As if scripture allows us to delay establishing justice. As if God says, later. Right. Now is the time for justice for sure. So let's let's deal for a moment with this issue of the pro-life industry's victim. And I want to just say this to you. What I'm going to play next has got some foul, foul language in it. And I am on the street with this woman and I'm engaging her position where she's trying to resist um, our proclamation of the truth surrounding abortion. So I want to tell you, if you have little ears around, you had better turn it down. Uh, just be cautious because there's some language in this clip. This is not an isolated incident. This is what we are confronted with regularly on the mission field, outside the abortion clinics. This is the pro-life industry's victim. And so again, I'm giving that warning. Please heed that advice. What you're about to hear is pretty graphic and unsettling. Is it offensive? Is it offensive? Thank you. Thank you. Like we, like we think abortion is funny, but it's even more comical that y'all are here. Y'all are fucking losers. Instead of going do something. Can I ask you a question? I don't really want to talk. Okay, women. You said women don't want to have abortions. Yes, women don't. So how come? How come three thousand are dying a day? Because they have to. They, they have to. Well, can I ask you, you a question? I don't, I don't see you advocating for adoption agents. I adopted I my, I I adopted my son. The, my, my name is Jeff. I, really I adopted my son. He was going to be aborted. I adopted him. So your argument's failed, now, isn't it? No, it I don't. And why is it hard for a woman to have an abortion? Because why? We, we should have the choice. No, why is it hard? You said it hurt. No, you, you said it hurts her. I shouldn't have to have a baby because you want me. What'd you call it? They are dying. So you should be able to kill the baby. Are so poor. There you go. Did you? Hey, you should listen to what she just said. If I want to kill my baby, I'm gonna kill that shit. Thank you. You said women don't take pleasure in it. That's how we started. She just you're, you're generalizing. No, yeah. no, no. She just she just refuted your like, position. Is she is she speaking on behalf of all women? I'm, but I just showed you that me, this though. is the face of abortion. Yeah. You tried to protect it. This is the real face. She yeah. said I should be able to kill that shit if I want to her baby. And I will. So should I be able to rape a baby if I want to? What does that have to do with? You said you should be able to kill a baby if you want to. Okay. It's not your body. The baby the baby is not your body. Your cells, your cells, human cells. Your argument's failed, isn't it? The baby's body is not your body. Okay. Okay. So, so what if I wanted to stop sex trafficking? Can I do it because I'm not a woman? Well, are you here talking about sex trafficking? Well, hold on. I'm asking you. I'm asking you to reason with this. I don't have a uterus. Can I stop sex trafficking? You're not doing that. That's obsolete. Well, you don't have a penis, so you shouldn't talk to the guys that are sex trafficking. That is right. Isn't that your argument? No, you can't think about it because your logic is tainted with sin. Your logic is tainted. Your arguments. Your argument. You're very religious. You're very religious. Your argument is if I don't have a uterus, I can't speak against this atrocity. You don't have a penis. You don't have a penis. You don't have a penis, so you can't do sex trafficking. You can't speak. I'm not trying to make you mad. No, your arguments have failed. To kill their babies. Yes. There you go. Exactly. To murder their babies. Yes. That's the face of abortion. Yeah. Right there. There's the pro-life establishment's victim. There's the pro-life establishment's uh, abortion vulnerable woman. 
Um, but there's more, and I just want you to see it, and we could play this all day. Um, here is a clip from Babies Are Murdered Here. Um, some of the same stuff. And this isn't uncommon. This is very common. And everybody who stands inside of an abortion mill knows exactly what we're talking about. That is from the film Babies Are Murdered here. And um, here's uh, a little bit more. I wanted to just see. This is uh, fairly recently in Phoenix uh, talking to some young ladies. We'll, we'll finish the thought here talking to some young, young ladies in, in Phoenix. Uh, they were at a, a pro choice rally. Jensen, Bree, and Simone. All right, great to meet you guys. So, why are you guys here? I'm more of like it being a woman's choice. I think um, the choice to have sex is both men and women the choice to carry a child kind of more falls on the woman because the man can totally just leave at any point. And like, if we're going to make abortions illegal and have single women now raising children that maybe they never even wanted to have by themselves, or maybe it's hard for them to have that child because of like mental illnesses or being raped or something like that. So for me, it's more of a choice rather than a political viewing and wanting to murder babies, obviously. So, so you, you mentioned that if a child has to be raised by a single mother or it's disabled, that we should be able to kill it. Um, we're so advanced in technology and science that we know ahead of time before the baby's even born that what, what conditions they could possibly have. So to be able to like prevent that ahead of time, especially if you're a low-income family, you know you're not able to take care of that baby if they come out with any kind of birth defects. And there's no government assistance either to help that parent take care of it. So, so again, but, but, but found, foundationally, yeah. what you're saying that if it's disabled and we discover it's disabled in the womb, we should kill the disabled oh, no. children. I'm sorry, I meant mental health in the mother and the parents, like people who are just not suitable to be having kids and don't want to have kids. Okay, for that. Okay, I'm going to answer. Thank, yeah. you, thank you for clarifying that. But it sounded like that, that's what you were saying. If we discover in the womb through technology that they're going to be disabled or something's wrong, we should be able to kill that child. I wouldn't say, so it's the thing. I don't, don't think there's no programs to help this parent or these parents out when the baby's born. So it's like you're kind of leaving this parent up to like, you have to keep it until it's born and then you got to figure it out yourself. Like we're going to be in control of your body until it's born. And then once you have it, that's all you. And I think that's kind of an unfair Unfair. No, I do actually agree with you yeah. that we need to make sure that we're caring for women, for, for mothers and fathers, for yeah. children. We actually need to. I think we're required and love would require that sort of a thing. But I think foundationally, we're not really talking about that in terms of the abortion discussion because what we're talking about is the argument is, is if something's wrong with the child in the womb, we should be able to kill it. And we're saying that if it's raised in poverty, we should be able to kill it. I don't think so. I think that's an extreme like way to put it, but I guess like... The choice to carry a child, raising children, have that child before the baby's even born, will take care of that baby, to be having kids and don't want to have kids. 
so um, there's there's more to that discussion as well. Um, at the end of that conversation we had with those women, she just says it. She goes, yeah, I think that what I'm arguing for is that she should be able to murder a child if she wants. Same as the other girl on LSU campus. Yeah, same exact thing. And so there it is. So I guess I have a question here, guys. We've had to develop a lot here and had to say a lot of important things to set everyone up. Should we continue this and just go ahead and go to the floor and spend the time refuting it all? I think so. Yeah. Um, I might have to use the restroom for just a moment. Uh, Gabe, then... can we take a, a two-minute break? Everyone who's watching us right now, just hang loose with us. Gabe, can we take a two-minute hold here, and then uh, we'll come right back on so we can deal with the floor vote? Okay. All right, guys, hang in there. Two minutes. We'll be right back. Uh, don't go away. What we're going to do is we're actually going to play through the footage from the vote on the floor. So you get to see uh, Danny McCormick, him coming up and talking about the bill. And then we're going to, re- we're actually going to engage a bit with uh, representative Ivy and Seaball and the comments that they made. And so stay with us. Very important show today. We hope that this will stand as a lasting um, equipping moment for the church as we continue to fight uh, for a gospel centered pursuit of ending this atrocity. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to Apologia Radio. Thanks for letting us take a little bit of a break there. We are back. Now we're going to go to the actual footage of the floor during the time for the vote in the House. Um, we are um, encouraging you all to go to apologiastudios.com to sign up for our all-access and partner with us in ministry, make everything possible. If you haven't signed up yet for End Abortion Now, uh, to, at endabortionnow.com, to start going out to save lives with your church, we encourage you to do that. Get right into connection with uh, Zach here, Director of Communications for End Abortion Now. Uh, get your kit, get your training, get everything you need to, to join all the churches who are out saving lives on a regular basis right now with us. Go to endabortionnow.com. Okay, so here we go. So so we were in Louisiana, and uh, we've laid out some of the foundations for you guys in terms of their resistance uh, to the bill. And uh, we went to the floor, and we want to play that for all of you. Actually, I'll save that, yeah, because we're going to use that when we respond. Um, okay, so... Um, it was a long day. <laughs> Give you a little bit of background. It was a very long day. Um, the bill was heard later. Uh, there was an incident uh, at the Capitol where when some of the voting was taking place, they had to basically clear out the entire Capitol and then they let us back in. And uh, then it got to uh, Danny McCormick's bill I want to say a big thank you to Representative Danny McCormick for being such a godly man, a consistent man, a courageous man, uh, a principled man, and putting this bill in because this bill was a bill that all of his colleagues agreed with in terms of the substance. Yeah, human life from conception. We want equal protection. We want this thing over with. And he went into this with thinking, well, this is our position. I'll put the bill in. And what he discovered was that he was then vilified. Uh, Secret meetings were taking place to work against him with people that uh, used to be on his side that he thought he trusted. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to say that during the time of cross-examination on the bill, I want to give a little bit of mercy to Danny in terms of, uh, I think he was reeling from the fact that now his closest colleagues and friends were now um, <clears throat> compromising and working against the bill that they told him he agreed with. And so he was, I think, 
completely mixed up by that. And um, also he had a hard time hearing what was going on, on the floor. Uh, he wasn't the only legislator that day that said they had a hard time hearing. But anyways, um, here we're going to play through at least some of uh, Danny's comments here. So I'll let you guys hear it yourselves. So hopefully, hopefully, if you haven't seen this yet, this will bless you. The definition of person, unborn child, provide for defenses, prosecution, enforcement of abortion. Representative McCormick. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I'm proud and honored today to bring you uh, HB 813. For just a minute, I'm asking each of you to ignore every political argument that is surrounding this legislation and listen to your conscience. If you are pro-life and believe that life begins at conception, and you believe that we must protect that life. HB 813 is the only bill providing equal protection to the born and pre-born people alike. This is a thorny political question, but we all know that it is actually very simple. Abortion is murder. And as lawmakers, we have the responsibility to end it. The duty, according to Romans 13, of the civil magistrate is to protect life mm-hmm. and to wield the sword of justice. Here is a man who is completely displaying what that role is supposed to be about. Consistency, the preservation of human life. The, one of the greatest principles in all of scripture is the preservation of human life, the protection of human life, the image of God. Here he is fighting for it. And I think what's important to say here, and I'll play through this, is that what he says is this issue is simple. Because it is. Essentially, it is. If it's human, it deserves equal protection. That's the simplicity of this position. If it's human, it deserves equal protection. And that is an unassailable position. No one can overcome that. Biologically, biblically, consistently, philosophically, it is, in his words, simple. And it should have been simple for the legislators on the floor who took money, support, votes from Christians around their state who voted them in because they said they believed that. They believe that human life begins at conception and that it needs to be protected and abortion needs to be ended. There are people on this floor that actually were voted in because of their pro-life position in many ways. And so in that case, it is very simple. You can't claim to be pro-life and vote to kill HB 13 by amendment. If you're pro-life and believe that life begins at conception and you must stand for equal protection of the pre-born. As Roe versus Wade is, is close to ending, it is time for Louisiana to stand up and end abortion. If we're not willing to do this now, when will we? The vast majority in this room claim to be pro-life. Yet today, when Roe is on the chopping block and we have the clear opportunity to end abortion in our state, we are faltering and trying to explain it away. If your life was in danger, you would want equal protection. If 20 of us were slated for murder today, we would want equal protection now. That's the beauty of 813. It provides equal protection, and it does so without affecting affecting ethical, IVF, or the use of contraceptives. 
It does so without any retroactive effect on any part of Louisiana law. And it does it so in a way that protects mothers who are being coerced into an abortion. And even better, House Bill 813 provides the tools necessary to prosecute pimps and traffickers who are currently coercing women and getting away with it. The Word of God says, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, known by our Creator from my mother's womb. Doctors and scientists have confirmed that belief. DNA, provo DNA proves that without a question. Scientific knowledge has improved, and because of it, we are faced with a moral and ethical decision to make. Will we be prideful and stand by our own ways of ignorance, or will we admit we're constantly learning? It's okay to change our minds, even on a big issue like this one. Today is uncomfortable, very uncomfortable, for me too, but it's historic. After this vote, your name will be written on one side of history or the other. And regardless of how you vote, abortion is going to be abolished. The question is whether you help it in today or we prolong the killing. If we don't believe life begins at conception, we need to admit that. If we do believe that life begins at conception, then we should protect it. Please vote today using your moral compass and nothing else. Politics should never decide who lives and who dies, not in America. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Powerful moment. And I'm going to just say, <clears throat> we were sitting there all day long waiting for this vote to come to the floor. And it was loud. I mean, I was actually at times kind of surprised um, at how, like on the floor, we were above it looking down on the floor, people would be cutting up, laughing, uh, talking. I mean, they'd be like literally like the middle of a legislator mm -hmm. coming up to present. Yep. It would be just like kind of chaos. So many voices. And I was like, wow, this is kind of disrespectful. Like he's trying to talk about his bill and everyone's just talking and laughing and making jokes. You know, I guess it's just kind of normal for them. That's what they do. And when the bell rings and they got to do their vote, they do their votes. But it was like sort of just like bustle and like the whole time just loud. And I got to just tell you, um, how it sounds right there is how it sounded. It went into a deafening silence. When that bell, when he came up and that bell was on the floor, it was just like, there wasn't a sound. As if we all recognize the gravity of the situation. It was a deep moment. I mean, I'm telling you, I went like this and he was in the middle of talking and I looked over at everyone around and I was like, I did this. I was like, there's no sound in here right now, except for him. And I looked over at uh, one of the heads of security there who says that he watches our stuff online. And he was like, thank you for your ministry. <laughs> he looks over at me. I look over and I was like this. And he goes, yeah. He goes, yeah. He goes, nothing. Like there's nothing. It was deafening. Just silence. It was a, it was a moment. I, I mean, believe that was from the Lord. Oh, totally. I mean, my eyes, I was just pouring tears. Brian Gunter is pouring tears next to me. You know, you know, we were just praying and, and just pleading and, and uh, crying and, it was, a, it was a really surreal moment because you could just feel when Danny was talking, the, the presence of God mm -hmm. in that room. And uh, those words, 
you can watch it on video, but it's not anything near like what it felt like in that moment. It was just every single person in there felt the weight of that moment. And, uh, it's something I'll never, ever forget. Um, it was, it was a powerful thing. And, um, so onward now. If I can say real quick, Danny's a hero. (laughs) Danny is a hero. I, I was watching that live. I know Zach was in the other room and I'm pretty sure we were yelling out like, good job, Danny, or something like he killed it. Like he did such a great job. And, uh, but what, what y'all are about to witness is elected officials that call themselves pro-life, literally mocking him. Right. And bringing up TV. You're about to witness that. So just buckle up for that. And, 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 and as we lay this down, and I'll let you say what you have to say. I don't want to, I don't want to lose that. As we lay it down, I want you all to know going into this, that we had meetings with Ivy right. and Seabaugh behind closed doors. We refuted all these objections. A constitutional attorney who has a right to actually argue before the Supreme Court, who filed the amicus brief in the uh, Dobbs case, he refuted the objections that they ha- were hearing. Zach Lautenschlager was refuting them. I was refuting them two days prior to this moment. These two men that come against Danny here, these two men were in a room with us with all these objections refuted, flat out refuted, done. And they still brought them two days later. Danny was in shock here because these two men pretended to be pro-life. I mean, Seaball had tears in his eyes telling me, I only got into politics for one reason, that's to end abortion. He agreed with the bill. He said it was right. And at the hearing, he said, absolutely, this should go to vote. That was Seaball. He's in here now fighting against the bill. Why? Because he was encouraged by the pro-life establishment, do not dare pass this bill mm-hmm. and, and others. And so um, associated with the pro-life establishment. And so this is when IV came up. All right. Question on the bill, Representative Ivey. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Representative McCormick, uh, obviously the decision of uh, possibility that the Supreme Court will overturn Roe v. Wade is uh, potentially pending based on the leaked opinion, Uh, but your bill doesn't account for that potential and your bill does it not include uh, that uh, for your law to be effective, we have to ignore Roe v. Wade today. Are you asking me that? Yes, it's in your bill, correct? It, when, when, when this bill is signed, yes. Okay, so uh, the question is, does your bill end abortion in Louisiana by simply ignoring the United States Supreme Court's ruling on Roe v. Wade? Say it again, I, I, okay. I, I'm, I'm, I don't does, hear well and I, I'm not getting In order to end abortion in Louisiana today, does your bill simply ignore the United States Supreme Court's decision on Roe v. Wade? No. Actually, my my bill agrees with the decision that was leaked out by the Supreme Court. No, I'm, I'm talking about today. That's a pending. That's We don't know what's going to happen, I'm saying. So ignore what might happen with the overturning. Your bill in its current posture, does it require uh, Louisiana, our judges, law enforcement, everyone else, to ignore the current uh, decision of Roe v. Wade by the Supreme Court in order to make this happen. Well, Roe Ro v. Wade has been decided. There's another case in in, in court. Again, we're talking about ending your today today based on what what well, the today today my bill is not going in effect, today. so it doesn't apply to today. 
but, but you're telling me right, we're going to end abortion today. So anyway, so you refuse to answer that question where your bill says, uh, and let me just quote your bill for the, for the folks at home who may not have read it, because the title's very uh, misleading. Um, it says, recognize the United States Constitution laws and states are supreme law of the land. Uh, treat as void and of no effect any and all federal statutes, regulations, treaties, orders, and court rulings which would deprive an unborn child of the right to life or prohibit the equal protection of such right. And so it, 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 we merely ignore what current uh, you know, Roe v. Wade decision is. I honestly don't understand. And that's okay. I, I understand I'm you sorry. don't understand. Um, you wouldn't have brought this if you did. So, uh, um, yeah, stop it right there. <laughs> yeah. So, Nate, get the full context there. Danny was having a hard time hearing him, but I think that this, this simple answer uh, that he was looking for that's in the bill itself is yes. Mm. Yes, the state of Louisiana would uphold the Constitution of the United States and uphold the right to life Key. of the pre-born child. So it wasn't just some random hodgepodge decision in, in the bill itself and like, we're just going to do our own thing here in the state of Louisiana. No, it's Louisiana actually recognizing that there's a separation of powers, something that's going to be appealed to in a moment here, that there is a separation of powers, that the Supreme Court is not the supreme being, and that the constitutional right to life is to be upheld in the state of Louisiana. It's not them just going off on their own willingly doing whatever right. just lawlessness lawless yeah. it's actually lawness right lawfulness <laughs> lawfulness right. Yes. right and uh it's not lawlessness and and yes yes the state of louisiana can say to the supreme court's opinion not law that's going to come up here in a moment they can say we reject your opinion because it is an abomination Oh, that Be sounds like a word that they use. That it's going to be brought up in a moment here. That your opinion is an abomination. You're not the supreme being. There is a separation of powers. Mm -hmm. Roe is not law. Who understands that best? The Democrats, because one day before this vote, the Democrats worked at a national level to codify Roe v. Wade as law. And boy, by the skin of close. the teeth, was it close. They failed. So one day before this was happening, the Democrats tried to codify Roe versus Wade as law. Now, question needs to be asked. Important question. Vital question. Why would the Democrats need to codify Roe versus Wade as law? I thought Roe versus Wade was the law of the land seems to me that they understand the law better than some of these pro-life legislators. That Roe is not law. It never was law. It's a court opinion. And you know what's amazing? Is that this hearing happened after, or not hearing, this vote happened after other votes. Do you know what other vote took place before this vote? It was the vote in Louisiana, sorry, Louisiana, the vote in Louisiana that actually said they were working to decriminalize certain things used to puff, puff, pass. They're talking about the medicinal flower, y'all. One thing I loved about being in Louisiana, and I will never forget, is the white suits and pink ties. And Lord, God knows state of Louisiana is loved by God. Like, I just love that. And just the whole thing, like, this medicinal flower, y'all. This medicinal flower. You, what, wait, they're talking about that. Yeah, they're talking about medicinal flowers in, on the floor 
before this vote. And strangely, IV and the other legislators didn't find it peculiar that they were voting on things used to puff, puff, pass and smoke medicinal flowers when actually there's federal law current against marijuana and not just federal law, but court opinions that prohibit the use of marijuana. And strangely, the legislature in Louisiana on this day didn't have a problem in defying federal law and the courts when it comes to medicinal flowers. Yeah, where's your separation of powers argument on that? And so interestingly, IV, who was just there for the vote, and you know you were, you were just there for the vote regarding the medicinal flowers and all the objects you used to puff, puff, pass, y'all. And no one had a problem with the fact that the state of Louisiana legislature that very day was it on hour, an hour, two hours before this vote, was literally defying the federal government and the courts and flexing their state sovereignty and saying there's a separation of powers. Our citizens have the right to this medicinal flower. We will defy the federal government and the courts for the sake of this flower. That's what they said. And now IV, sir, you have the audacity to come up to this man who's trying to protect life, which you pretend to believe you are not pro-life, sir. I talked to you face to face. And interestingly, behind closed doors, I told you that you are making arguments against the pro-life establishment, not against the fringe, because you were arguing against human life beginning at conception. You were talking about implantation and later. And I told you to your face, you weren't arguing with us. You were arguing with the entire pro-life everything. He's about to do it again. And you do it on the floor. So if you're still taking pro-life votes and money, IV, you should stop as a matter of principle. As a matter of principle. But you come on the floor and have the audacity to argue about separation of powers and resisting the courts when literally two hours before this, it was already on the floor. We're defying federal law and the courts for the citizens of Louisiana. But you wouldn't do it for the children because you're a compromised coward is what you are. You're inconsistent. You don't know this subject. You don't know the law. I don't know how you got on that floor with your Hello Kitty backpack or whatever else you were wearing. You were the only guy on the floor with a suit and a backpack like a child, and you argue like a child, and you're responsible for every single death that has happened since when? Was it last Thursday? Last Thursday. So 20 a day die in Louisiana and Representative IV, you hold in your hands their blood before God because you went up and used bootleg argumentation and very deceptive tactics to fight a bill that you would tell your voters, oh, I believe that it's human life and it needs to be protected. But you know, behind closed doors, you didn't say that to me. And you know that on the floor, you weren't arguing that. You, sir are a charlatan. You're just a charlatan. You're a fake. You're a fraud. You're a phony. You don't know this field. You don't know this subject. And I challenge you, come on the show. Debate your position here on the show. See if you can answer the question as to how come you didn't pipe up, Mr. Ivey, when it came to the legislature defying federal law in the courts for the medicinal flower. 
How come you weren't resisting that saying, no, 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 the courts have already decreed. The law is. You didn't do it for the flower, did you? You didn't do it to smoke up, did you? No, you did it. You brought this bootleg argumentation up so that babies can continue to die in your state. You have so much courage to defend other situations, but you won't defend these children because, sir, you're a coward. That's just a matter of fact. And somebody might say, Pastor Jeff, you're going, you know, you're going hard in the paint. You're going hard. Yeah, this man is responsible for the children who are dying in Louisiana. You understand that? It's a fact. It's the truth. He resisted the bill, not because it was unlawful or inconsistent. It's because he's inconsistent. He's inconsistent. And so let's continue. Do you guys want to say anything else? Uh, I would, yeah. Go ahead, Bo. Go ahead. Okay, sorry. One, I'm impressed of, of your proper usage of hard in the paint. Yeah. Good on you. What sport is that? Yeah, I don't know if you know what sport is, but I'm, <laughs> I'm you use it correctly, so thank you. Uh, everyone but, knows uh, it's everyone knows it's soccer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one, this is the first instance of Ivy being just an absolute jerk to Danny. So shame on you, Representative Ivy. That that sort of behavior is deplorable and should not be tolerated by an elected official. Um, but all that to say, uh, when I was watching all this live, I couldn't figure out why they kept bringing up some of the arguments they were bringing up. And it's funny, I left the message this morning with our group because I was watching it again and it dawned on me what's happening. Um, as we're going to see, this is the first instance of the objections um, of the objectors, I should say, having a very, very unhealthy fear of uh, the Supreme Court. Yes. And so all the, cause I'm like, who, I'm like, why does it matter if it, if it defies uh row now or later, like that should have no bearing on whether or not we end abortion right now. I could not figure out why he kept pressing that issue. And I think that's partly why Danny was having a hard time understanding. Cause it was like, I think Danny one besides not being able to hear him. I think he was like, what is the point you're trying to make? Cause it, it there wasn't, really a point i didn't feel like there was a point to what he was trying to make but now i understand i think that he just he he views the supreme court as the supreme being um and we're going to see more instances as we go on but i just wanted to throw that out yeah there. you're going to see and i want to go ahead and lay it down in front of you right now you're going to see in a moment here that representative seaball brings up the issue of dred scott how did he how'd you learn about that by the way representative seaball were, were there people in your ear a couple days before this vote who kept sharing with you Dred Scott and the states resisted the opinion of the Supreme Court when they gave such an abominable decision. Uh, aren't you thankful, Representative Seabaugh, that those states during that time resisted the opinion of the Supreme Court that said that blacks were not persons but property? Aren't you so glad that in history we had courageous men in legislatures who said, no, I will not I will not recognize the supremacy of the court to say that you get to dictate what is law on this point. You will not abuse other human beings. And so thank God for legislators who said, no, the court is not God. There's a separation of powers in our country, and they use the separation of powers properly by saying you are not ultimate. You do not create law in our country. The Constitution says that Congress creates law in our country, and there's a separation of powers. They bring up Dred Scott because we brought it up to them. Mm. And uh, here now we have them arguing, isn't this really bad? This would force 
This would force Louisiana to actually defy the Supreme Court's ruling that we can kill children. But they didn't have a problem with that on another issue. Well, not a marijuana. And I think it just highlights such an important point. When any institution or entity violates its God-ordained function or jurisdiction, that's called tyranny, right? When they usurp uh, the ultimate prerogative of God to be ultimate and then force that authority on other entities, on other institutions, that's tyranny. But when men like this refuse to oppose that, that's called idolatry. Difference there, yeah. right? It's tyranny, what the federal government is doing, but us not opposing it is turning the Supreme Court into our functional savior and our functional God, because we can't do anything unless our God speaks from on high. And as Christians, we would say, our God has spoken. And that's why he's given us things like the blessing of a constitution, the blessing of the authority of scripture and his word. And I think one more thing, everything that you're listening to in the cross-examination and what Representative Sebaugh is going to say and what Ivy's about to say, all of these things are doublespeak. And doublespeak is just very simply using lies to selectively shape facts and block out other facts, all because you have an agenda that you're trying to implement. Yeah. So for example, Dred Scott, you brought that up to him. Why? To show them that this has been done historically before. They ripped that and said, oh, Dred Scott, I'm going to use that for the purpose of my agenda to prove my bootlegged uh, interpretation of the separation of powers argument. Right. It's doublespeak. Yeah. It's doublespeak, and it's the worst kind of lying that there is. Because ultimately, in this case, it leads to the death of 20 children a day. Because of what's at stake. Yeah, because of what's at stake. Exactly. Here we go. Does your bill statutorily require judges to ignore Roe v. Wade or of any other court ruling or federal law that contradicts your bill? Okay, let me read your text for you because you haven't read your bill in a while. I would. Okay, it says. Somebody, I, could I get somebody to come down here and tell me what he's saying? I honestly, can't hear. It, understand. Well, you can't hear what I'm saying. I, I can't understand. I can hear. Okay, you. let me speak slower for you. Okay. Okay. Does your bill statutorily require judges in Louisiana to ignore the Roe v. Wade decision or any other? future court ruling or other future federal law that would contradict your bill. Yes. It does. Okay. And so in your bill, would all Louisiana judges be subject to impeachment proceedings if they do not ignore Roe v. Wade, future United States Supreme Court rulings or federal laws uh, that are contradictory to your bill? Judges are a, are a subject to impeachment. We, we understand that, but sure. you would make this singular action of, of not ignoring federal law, Supreme Court rulings, correct? Yes. Okay, so they'd be subject to impeachment. Okay. So our founders, our founding fathers designed our system of government to be comprised of three separate but co-equal branches. Your bill clearly violates this separation of powers doctrine. No, it Do doesn't. you believe it is okay to violate constitutional separation of powers in order to abolish abortion in the state of Louisiana? No. Okay. Uh, Let's deal with that. So what's interesting here is, is you talk about doublespeak. Right. Uh, think about this. A person comes to you and says, uh, 
here's my argument. There's supposed to be a separation of powers where no institution like the Supreme Court is supposed to be ultimate in our nation. There's supposed to be a division of powers. And by the way, if you love the doctrine of separation of powers, <laughs> then you can thank yeah. a Christian for that because the Christians developed that in history because you recognize that people are sinful. And when you um, uh, assign power, ultimate power in a single point of a sinner, it can lead to tyranny. And so Christians said we need to divide power up amongst institutions so that tyranny is avoided. Because Because people aren't blank slates. Because men are not angels. That's exactly what they said. Because men are not angels, a constitution is necessary. And so because they said that, we have a separation of powers, a division of powers in our country. And think about it. Think about the devastation this does to Ivy's position. I'm going to argue that there must be a separation of powers. You have to divide that power up. Nothing could be ultimate. And then he goes and argues, but we're not allowed to use it. Right? There's got to be a separation of powers and division of powers here. Otherwise, there's going to be tyranny. No one's allowed to be ultimate. But goodness gracious, Louisiana, we can't use it. We can't use it. And also, it just goes to show the fallacious nature of his argumentation. Here is the fundamental question. Get this, you'll get the entire thing. Is Roe v. Wade law? No. And the answer is no. Roe versus Wade is not law. It never has been law. It says in our constitutional framework, it says that Congress creates legislation in our nation. And that all laws must be made in pursuance of the Constitution. And we know that it's not constitutional. Right. Because there is a right to what? Yes. Life. 14th Amendment. Life, life, life. And so this is not um, what he's trying to uh, make it out to be in terms of this sort of like wild eyed, we're just, you know, we're just not recognizing separation of powers. No, the bill actually recognizes fundamentally separation of powers and that the court is not ultimate. What IV is arguing for is not separation of powers, though he pretends to use it. He's arguing for the ultimacy of the court. Mm -hmm. The, The state of Louisiana has the right as a legislature, as a separated power themselves, they have a right to look at what the Supreme Court makes as a decision, not a law, and say that is not consistent consistent with the Constitution that we agreed to. This Constitution says that everyone has will not be deprived of the right to life. So the state of Louisiana is being lawful, and they're resisting the unlawful decree of the Supreme Court because there is a separation of powers. Think about that, Ivy. Separation of powers, but Louisiana, don't you dare use it. Don't you dare use it. And is it crazy that it would actually specify that if any judge or court tries to defy the protection of life, they'd be impeached? That's not crazy. Because they're violating their oath. They're violating their oath. They swear an oath to the court. They swore an oath to the Constitution. I will uphold the Constitution of the United States of America. So if they defy their own oath and they show they don't believe it, sure enough, they would be impeached. (laughs) Sure enough. Sure enough. If they violate their (laughs) oath. God does not take lightly oath-breaking. That's right. So there's nothing there's nothing nefarious or inconsistent. This is consistent with how our country was established and how the Constitution is supposed to work. IV's ignorant about that, and so he's using an argument that if he looked at his own feet, he would realize that he's standing on sand. And or if this was talked about already, it seems like 
a willful ignorance. It is a willful ignorance because he was refuted on it days before. If a woman uses contraception that has the potential to prevent the implantation of an embryo, could she potentially be charged with murder and if convicted, be imprisoned for life? No. Okay. Uh, do you know which contraception? Okay, well, so an IUD could not, uh, the use of an IUD would not le let, uh, no woman would be prosecuted for murder if they used an IUD and while using that IUD, it prevented the implantation of an embryo. Well, it, my bill would do away with abortifacients. But that's not an abortifacient. Okay, well, that's your opinion. I don't think that's the opinion of others. Okay. This you know, is huge. Okay, it is. And I'm going to say one thing here as, as, as laying down a foundation. The reason that IV is using this argumentation, follow it. He's talking about implantation. Yes. He's talking about devices and other chemicals or IVs. medicines that would stop implantation. And he has a problem with that. And because here's why. Because if you were to back the question up, you could ask Ivy, Ivy, do you believe that life actually begins and it's fully human at conception? Try to get him to answer that for you. Mm. Because what he was arguing and he was saying, I'm just playing devil's advocate in the room with me, is he was actually arguing against the idea that it is human life from the moment of conception. He was arguing about implantation and further down the line. So the reason I think he's pressing this question here is because IV doesn't seem to believe that all human life begins at conception and should be protected from conception. Exactly. That's the problem. And that's why he's bringing it up as a shocking argument, because I think if you were to challenge him and press him, at least my experience with him, maybe he changes his position now, is uh, he didn't seem to believe that life actually begins at conception, which is odd because I think he's supposed to be a pro-life legislator. Isn't that the pro-life position? That when the sperm and the egg fuse together to form a single-celled organism, the zygote, that that in fact is the biblical and biological basis for the beginning and the formation of a new, unique human being. Right. Yes, of course it is. That's what the entire pro-life establishment and industry believes. And if Ivy doesn't confirm that, he should not be seen as a quote-unquote pro-life legislator. Uh, like I said, behind closed doors, he was arguing against that concept in terms of life at conception. And he thought it was, he acted like it was a shocking thing to think we would want to ban abortifacients that actually kill human beings after they've been formed. And can, can I take just a Do minute it. on this here? Because this is really important. And other men have done work on this area already. I would recommend, if you haven't seen it, uh, Dusty Devers with Rescue Those has a great message uh, on this chemical abortifacients. But before the 1960s, fertilization and conception were actually synonymous terms fertilization and conception. And so after the 1960s, with the advent of chemical birth control, right, um, everything that Margaret Sanger started in, in 1914 with the American Birth Control League, uh, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists actually went against the traditional definition of conception, that moment when the sperm and the egg unite to form the new human being, and they defied that definition and redefine conception as the moment that the fertilized egg implants on the uterine wall, right? So they redefined it. Right. And that actually led to a redefinition of pregnancy as well. In other words, they said if an embryo didn't implant, then a woman wasn't really pregnant. So the effect of that redefinition was that any drug or device that kills an embryo 
right, a fertilized egg, before the completion of implantation wouldn't be termed abortifacient. So I'll say that again. The result of that was any drug or device that kills an embryo before the completion of implantation wouldn't be termed abortifacient. So once again, doublespeak. Deadly redefinitions that have consequences. All modern contraceptive chemical abortifacient drugs, they all have a fail rate, right? So they're designed to perform a, a few functions, right? One is to delay or hinder ovulation, which is the moment where the egg gets released and drops down the fallopian tube in order for the preparation to have it be fertilized by the sperm. The other one is the, uh, the endometrium, right? That, uh, the wallpaper, the lining of the uterine, it thickens up in order to prevent, uh, I'm sorry, it thickens the cervical mucus to prevent the sperm and the egg from coming together, right? So those are the first two. But then the third one is that the endometrium um, it is thinned out, right? The lining of it is thinned out in order to prevent implantation, and that actually sloughs off the baby into the woman's period. It causes an abortion, right? It's, it's miscarriage. It's using it intentionally to cause miscarriage. Now, he brings up IUD, I think, for a reason, because traditionally it's been harder to kind of pin, pin that down, right? IUDs being abortifacient, and he's already moved the window on contraception, now being the implantation of the egg. But all of these chemical uh, abortifacients, they have that active uh, ingredient, levonorgestrel, in, um, as a drug. So it's synthetic, man-made hormones. Uh, they contain estrogen and then progestin. That's otherwise called levonorgestrel. Now, those chemical drugs, they prevent, and this is according to even recent research, they prevent less than 15% of potential conceptions, right? So it's not even so much that the function is becoming now delaying and hindering ovulation or thickening the cervical mucus to prevent the sperm from uniting, but the abortifacient element of these drugs, right? An IUD is just basically a metal, metal uh, or a piece of plastic that's placed in the uterus that causes chronic inflammation to prevent implantation. Now, what does that mean? It kills a baby by making the womb of the mother a hostile environment. God designed the womb of a woman to supply all of the nutrients and to create the environment suitable for that life, that human being, that baby, to survive. And when that is taken, it is making the womb a hostile environment and preventing that human being, that life, from being able to survive. So it is abortifacient in nature, but the fact that he's raising it here and actually shifting the window to say, this is when conception happens, when the uh, egg implants on the wall, rather than the traditional pro-life definition, right, the biblical definition, that is another deadly example of doublespeak. And the reason I, I went through all of that is because a lot of people, myself included for the longest time, just aren't aware yeah. of how these things work. And so when someone just kind of throws this out there and says that, we have to know what it is that we're talking about because that's a, a subtle redefinition, but it changes everything. Everything. Because now if the definition is implantation, the, the conversation has changed. But it's not. Conception is when life begins. That's a fact. Biblical, biological, can't be disputed. IV can't dispute that. He may want to move, he, he may want to move the goalpost further down the line to implantation, but he should come out and say it. Stop taking pro-life votes. Stop calling yourself pro-life. 
if you truly believe that it's some other stage that you're actually human, then say it. Stop pretending to be pro-life and stop pretending to be pro-life while you actually resist bills that would actually establish justice for the pre-born. And that's because the argument he's making is, would the woman be criminalized who uses an IUD? Well, an IUD, statistically speaking, is an, is an abortifacient. That's its purpose. That is its function, right? It has a fail rate, and that fail rate is exceptionally high. So used uh, f- with its intended purpose is to kill a newly forming, uh, unique, created human being. Right. That is its purpose. So what do you call that? Abortifacient. Yes. Yeah. And so the real the real issue here is that you have people who will say that they're, quote, pro-life so they can get into a pro-life legislature and receive pro-life votes, but they don't actually believe it. It's too easy to get votes in a conservative state by saying you're pro-life, but you don't really believe it. You haven't thought it through. You're not consistent yourself. And so the, the devastation of a position like that and doing that is that you might actually have the opportunity to abolish abortion and establish equal justice, and you'll resist it because you're ignorant. You don't even know what you believe in the first place. Mm-hmm. You don't know this field. And so it's, it, it, is, it, is a, it is a deadly inconsistency, yes. and it was in this case. I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't eliminate contraceptives. Contraceptives keeps a woman from conceiving. That's the definition of contraception. Okay, well, is the prevention of implantation part of contraceptions? No. Implation, in, in the, when the sperm enters the egg, that's when it takes place. What takes place? It, when, when life begins, that's okay. when it takes place. I understand, but... And anything that kills that egg afterwards is aborting it. But, but preventing not, implantation I, doesn't kill the egg, does it? Or the, uh, does it kill the embryo, right? We're talk, we're yes, talking, it does. We're talking about contraceptives here. Okay. So, Mr. Speaker, I'll, I'll rest my question. Right. Of course you will. Of course you will. That wasn't a humdinger. That wasn't a, 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 that wasn't a real, you know... Yeah, if you think that was a zinger, it, it really wasn't. It, it, yeah. it wasn't. You, you, your inconsistency was exposed there that you don't truly believe that human life begins at conception and should be protected from conception. That's the issue. Is that for IV, he's talking about implantation and all the rest, but it's a good conversation to have today. If we love and respect all human life, should we be allowing medications and devices that actually end human life? Now, I know that for us today, this is, you know, it, 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 it's a confusing question, and we can all thank Margaret Sanger so much for that. You understand why the Christian church was so militantly opposed to Margaret Sanger and her birth control and the abortifacients and all the rest? Because she was a eugenicist that hated children. Because of this issue. Including her own. Because of this issue. And so, yeah, I, t- admittedly, today, you've got even professing Christians who just have no concept of like birth control pills that are actually abortifacients. Like they don't even understand. They don't even think about it. Like, I guess I'll take this pill because it won't get me pregnant. We don't realize what we're doing. No, you're getting pregnant. You're getting pregnant. And then you've created a hostile environment so that you can't grow your child. And I'm going to say to the women who have been doing that and you didn't know, come to Christ. It's okay. Forgiveness is in Christ. There's a washing. There's a cleansing. Yes, and amen. And then let's all join together to resist this industry. Mm-hmm. Let's get consistent for the sake of these children. Love our neighbors. Is it, is it wrong to say, hey, you know, we've been doing this wrong the whole time. Do you think, listen, I'll say this quickly. 
Do you think that there weren't these moments for people during the time of slavery where people had to go, oh my gosh, look at how we've been treating them. Oh my gosh, look at how we've been dehumanizing them. We, we've treated them like they're less than image of God. Like, can you imagine like the slavery's over now? It's abolished. It's behind them. You're not allowed to do this anymore. I mean, we know that after the time of slavery was abolished, like you got all the way up to the Jim Crow era, you're dealing with all kinds of tension and all kinds of conflict where people are still treating black brothers and sisters like they're less. It was evil. It was an abomination. It's because that dark, evil ideology takes a heck of a long time to shake, but it must be shook, period. And so, yeah, they had their complicated issues then during the time of slavery. Like, well, can they sit next to me in church? Can they drink out of the same water fountain? All those things. Like, yeah, you got to shake that stuff loose. You got to end it. It's an abomination. It's evil. You got to fight it. You got to come to the, to the place where you go, dang it, we're evil. And man, we've been doing this wrong. How dare we do this? And in this case, with the abortifacient industry, the abortifacient birth control industry, it's high time Christians started saying, hey, that's not consistent with what we believe. Mm-hmm. We need to do away with this stuff. Is it wrong to say that we need to stop people from ending human life that's been created in their wombs? Is that wrong? Not from a Christian perspective, not from a constitutional perspective, a legal perspective. We need to actually have our eyes peeled back so we can see what we're doing. It's a worldview issue. And just to finish the point, if as, as long as the church continues to embrace the thoughtless use of chemical birth control and abortifacients, we won't see abortion ended in the public square. Because they used it. They, see, they got it from somewhere. They used it against us. Yeah. Because we haven't thought this through. Because people claim to be pro-life that are perfectly fine with abortifacient birth controls. That's the truth. That's what came up here. So we better get it right. If we're going to actually establish justice and care for these fatherless children, we had better get it right. Luke, you got something to say? Yeah, I was just going to say thank you, Zach. That was just a fantastic breakdown because I know we get those that question of quite often on abortifacients and birth control and all that. So I think we should probably just clip that section, honestly, and put that up by itself because that was that's going to help a lot of people. So thank you for putting the time into that. It was amazing. Um, but before we before we go to uh c c bomb i was uh just going back to um the last point because i i didn't quite get it in but uh when when ivy was talking about the you know are judges going to be impeached again that was the second point i want to bring up that's another instance of them fearing the judges whether it be the supreme court this effect this would specifically affect judges in Louisiana, but obviously that has bearing on the Supreme Court as well. And so it's just that was a second instance of them being afraid of judges as if they are the supreme beings in our nation. Um, and and all that to say, and I think Jeff, you you said it already, but I was as I was listening, I was like, so what? So what if a judge get is impeached for? violating this law they they should be like you know if they're if they're willing to to do something immorally to allow babies to be murdered yeah they should be impeached so what that shouldn't have no bearing on whether or not you vote for this bill so that was all i just want to make sure i got that before we move on very very good all right guys i know we're going long today but we wanted to give you something that was meaningful and 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 somewhat comprehensive we could do a lot more we could do this for weeks honestly but we wanted to give you something that was a one-stop shop to help you here's more here's where c ball comes up 
And oh, by the way, uh, make sure you all understand, I don't have a career to protect. I'm a pastor. And so I'll say it. I looked him in his eyes. Seaball, the man you're about to see. I looked him in his eyes. He had tears filled in his eyes. Said it was the only reason he got into politics was to end abortion. He said he agreed with this bill. He was the one during the hearing. Go listen to the hearing. We put it up on our channel. Listen to it. When the votes come in, he's the one who says, absolutely. Not because he was ignorant of the bill, because the bill said what he says he believes. It was only after he was worked on by the pro-life establishment and others, big names, that he actually came out in opposition to this bill and made himself responsible for all the children dying in Louisiana from that day forward. He looked into my eyes and said that he agreed with this bill. He looked into my eyes and he said that he wanted to end abortion completely. He agreed with it. And then this was two days later. This is Seaball now. Thank you. All right. Do we have any amendments? Yes, sir, Mr. Speaker. There are two sets of amendments at the desk. The first set of amendments is a one-page set offered by Representative McCormick, set number 3947. Those amendments are technical only. All right. Any objection to the adoption of the technical amendment? Seeing none, amendments are adopted. Next amendment. Next set of amendments is a three-page set of amendments authored by Representative Seaball and others. That set number is 4357. Representative Seaball. Okay, thank you. I was just checking the, the amendment number. Uh, several of you co-authored amendment set that was, I, I had number 4001, so apparently somewhere the amendment number changed, but it's the same one. Um, it's the same amendment that we've previously talked about and some of you have seen. Um, look, Louisiana has been called the most pro-life state in the nation. Most of us are, I am. Um, look, pro-life bills fly off of this floor with little to no opposition, and they have for generations, um, for decades. We have many, many laws which protect the unborn in Louisiana. We have the most stringent abortion protections in the nation within the law. They have triggers. They say when Roe v. Wade is overturned or something else, a, a federal constitutional amendment, anything along that line that would remove the restrictions placed on us by Roe versus Wade, then these laws go into effect. Uh, we started out by uh, allowing abortion only at, before 20 weeks. There was a bill outlawing abortion after 20 weeks, then after 15 weeks, then after six weeks. We had the partial birth abortion ban. We had the fetal heartbeat bill. There's, there's a lot of protections for the unborn. Which are bills of what? Partiality. I, I, I want to just say this respectfully to, to Representative Seabaugh. That's nothing to brag about. You use the word in a moment here, you use the word abomination. That word is used in scripture quite a lot. It's used over a number of different issues. And I would encourage you to read Proverbs chapter 20, Representative Seabaugh. In Proverbs 20, that's just one section. It's also given elsewhere. God calls unequal weights and measures an abomination in his sight. He also says acquitting the guilty is an abomination in his sight. It's as much an abomination in his sight as condemning the righteous. We all hate when righteous people are condemned. God also says that he hates the same when you acquit the guilty. 
unequal weights and measures. Should we be bragging about passing bills that actually do things that are that God says are an abomination in his sight? Unequal weights and measures, partiality, saying you can kill these children, but not these children. These children will be prey, and these ones will not be prey. That's something that you want to brag about. We're the most pro-life state. Look what we do. We say these children are prey in our state, but these ones are not. You're human if you have a heartbeat, but if we can't detect it, we will not protect you. That's nothing to brag about. It's nothing to be proud of. If God says unequal weight to measures are an abomination in his sight, then you should never brag about an abomination, ever. Yeah. And oh, but it saves lives. Well, that's a testament to God's mercy, not our faithfulness. That's right. Here you go. In Louisiana, that exist. And as soon as Roe v. Wade is overturned, they're going to go into effect. And the unborn will be protected in Louisiana. No. No. They will not. A trigger law in Louisiana that says you can no longer have an abortionist kill a child only prohibits the abortionist from doing it in an air-conditioned location, right? That's that's the truth. All that does, and, and also a better question needs to be asked here, what, pray tell, is the punishment in Louisiana with these trigger laws for the abortionist? Is it $1,000? Isn't that the fine? Or... Well, if, what if I wanted to kill a puppy in Louisiana? What's the what's the fine for killing a puppy? Twenty five thousand mm. dollars. You haven't established justice. Yeah. That's not justice. That's not protecting the preborn. That's not pro life. It's a miscarriage of justice. It's a miscarriage no of justice. Intended. And I want to say that these trigger laws that you're referring to, if Roe versus Wade is overturned, it doesn't prohibit the woman from procuring her own abortion by her own hands. Mm-hmm. through pills and potions or whatever means she wants to. As a matter of fact, he argues here and for the position that the woman is herself a victim. And so what that means is if Roe versus Wade is overturned, you're going to have a lot to answer for, Representative Seaball, with all the women who are still killing their children in the womb because you've said they're not guilty. They're not criminals. We shouldn't criminalize that at all. So I'd like to see your response when the women continue to kill their children in the womb if Roe versus Wade falls, which is likely to do, and you no longer have abortionists who are going to want to do it because of the $1,000 fine or whatever, you're going to make it 10000 or whatever, still less than a puppy. Um, I'd like to see what you're going to say to the women who are continuing to kill their children in the womb. No, you haven't, you haven't established justice. Please don't pretend like you have. House Bill 813 has a number of problems. Uh, Representative Ivey actually did a very good job of going over some of those, the separation of powers and constitutional issues specifically. Um, The U.S. and Louisiana constitutions lay out a system of separation of powers. We have an executive branch, a legislative branch, and a judicial branch. The legislative branch does not get to tell the judicial branch how to rule on cases. Uh, We... Um, Logical fallacy. I'd expect more from a man who actually says that he's a lawyer. Logical fallacy. Nobody's arguing that the legislature sits on the bench with the judges and tells them how to rule and make their decisions. What we're actually arguing is that our constitutional documents say that it is Congress that creates legislation. It is not the duty of the judicial branch to make legislation. So it's actually, it, it's spinning another fiction. Like the legislature is not supposed to sit on the bench to tell them how to rule. No, they get to rule and make their decisions. 
And then it is up to the legislature to create law. That's what it means. Congress creates law, not the Supreme Court. And so you're spinning a fiction when you pretend like the argument is that we're somehow putting the legislature onto the bench with the judges. No, the judges make their decisions. And as you're going to see in a moment, Seaball understands that the judges sometimes make abominable opinions. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. I mean, that's what this bill does. It, it declares itself to be constitutional, and it says any ruling that contradicts with the bill is unconstitutional. And oh, wait, are you saying, are you actually saying that the bill says that the Constitution says that humans have the right to life, and that if anybody tries to stop that, that they're going to be rejected? So wait a second, what are, you, what are you actually saying? You're giving quite a compliment to the bill if you're suggesting that the legislature in Louisiana is going to uphold the Constitution itself and wield the doctrine of the separation of powers. The very thing you're trying to use as an argument against the bill is the very thing the bill is doing, acknowledging a separation of powers and that the Constitution is ultimate and that there is a right to life in the Constitution. And if the Supreme Court or any federal agency or government at all tries to fight against the constitutional right to life, the state of Louisiana is going to say, I'm sorry, there's a separation of powers here, and this law, Lex Rex, is king. I guess the question to ask, too, is, is Roe declaring itself to be constitutional? Inherently. It's saying that women have a right to privacy, in other words, to murder people in private. So are they declaring that opinion to be self-attesting in its authority? There you go. Yes. Here you go. And there's more. Must be ignored. Uh, must be enjoined. Um, you just can't do that. I mean, that's not a power that the legislature has. We can't grant ourselves the power to order a court to rule a future act unconstitutional. We, we just can't do that. It's, it is very problematic. And look... I think Roe versus Wade is one of the worst decisions this ever come out of the U.S. Supreme Court, ever. I mean, uh, up there with Dred Scott and a couple of others. It is one, it is an abomination. So not just unconstitutional. Not just unconstitutional. <laughs> so, so what he's saying, what, what Representative Seaball is saying there is that Roe versus Wade is an abomination and we must submit to it. Are there any lawful abominations? That's or are those all lawless? That's cowardice. <laughs> And compromise. That's not principled, courageous leadership. When you say before the public, in the public square, here in this place, you say this decision is an abomination. And please, everybody, submit. Follow it. Follow it. Now, notice you also heard him bring up Dred Scott. It's an abomination like Dred Scott. Quick little history lesson here, brothers and sisters and, and Seaball, you know this. When the Dred Scott versus Sanford ruling happened, the challenge was about these slaves that had come from Southern states and were in Northern states and they needed to be returned to their Southern masters. And the Supreme Court, disgraceful as they were, with the abominable opinion they gave, they said, a black person is not a person, it's property. So they must be returned to their masters. Now, thank God, the legislatures and the leaders in the states in the North, New York as one of them, said, uh, go pound sand, Supreme Court. No, 
Yeah. You, we will not yield to that abominable opinion. And so what's amazing here is think about it. He says, he says that Roe versus Wade is an abomination. He says, but you need to submit to it. But it's an abomination like Dred Scott was. And then everyone starts flipping through their history books and they go, Dred Scott, Dred Scott, Dred Scott. Oh, Dred Scott, terrible opinion. Oh, the states resisted it. Yeah. You're literally bringing up the case where the states resisted the ruling of the Supreme Court. So you, Representative Seabaugh, respectfully, have refuted yourself. And you did it on the floor, and you did it, and you were pontificating as though you knew what you were talking about. And you clearly don't. Because what you shouldn't have done in this moment is you shouldn't have brought up Dred Scott. You're arguing to legislators, you can't resist the Supreme Court's ruling. Like Dred Scott. He's urging his constituents and the other legislators to be lawless. Yeah. To follow what he calls is an abomination. I wonder, would you have that advice for them during the time of slavery? Would you have that advice? Question, if you were in the North when Dred Scott came down, would you have told the states, no, stop resisting the court? Return those guys to their masses. Mm. Would you have said that? I wonder, Representative Seaball, if we took your arguments and we placed them back then, where would you have stood? Because if you if you had stood, if you stood then where you're standing now, it seems like you would have told those states to return them to their masses. Mm. Wouldn't you have? Because here you're clearly arguing that the legislature can't do anything to provide equal protection to these human beings because the Supreme Court has ruled from on high. They've given us this abominable decree, and we must therefore submit. So northern states, return those slaves. Would you have? I, You know, I think you'd probably like to tell yourself, I never would have. I would have told them to resist that opinion. Right. Which is what you should have done here. In my opinion... Um, but it's the law. Like it or not, it is the law. It's been the law for almost 50 years. No. You, hear, you hear people say, no, no, it's not. You can hear everyone in the banisher saying no, because Representative Seabaugh, you are completely ignorant. And I want to display something to everyone watching right now. This will be one of the most powerful things right now in this entire discussion. This will be one of the most powerful things. This took place on, what was it, Luke, May 12th? Yes. May 12th was the vote. He just said that Roe versus Wade has been 50 years the law of the land. Now, I want to remind everybody what our Constitution says, and that is that Congress creates legislation, not the Supreme Court. Okay? Now, I want to show everybody something very, very important here. One day before, one day before this vote, this happened. Well, a big win for pro-lifers today on Capitol Hill. For the second time this year, the Senate failed to pass a bill that would codify, codify Roe v. Wade. But Democrats are promising more votes in the future. Meanwhile, Republicans are angry over the Biden administration's plan to drop conscious protections for health care workers. So, question, if Roe versus Wade is the law of the land for 50 years, then what? Pray tell, were they doing 24 hours prior to this vote on Capitol Hill? What were they trying to do? Codify Roe versus Wade, which would mean that Roe versus Wade was not what? Law. 
Because what were they trying to make it 24 hours before your statements, Representative Seaball? They were trying to make it law. Can you imagine? It's in the eyes of God, a level of foolishness that is almost incomprehensible to be resisting the bill of equal protection for all children within 24 hours of Congress failing to codify Roe versus Wade and to be using as an argument before your legislature, Roe versus Wade is the law of the land. If it's the law of the land, what were they doing 24 hours prior? I'm so thankful that the Lord allowed that timing so that we could point that out. Oh, there's more. Get ready. This is, this is uh, Jen Psaki um, after the Texas heartbeat bill. Watch. It's extreme Texas law blatantly violates the constitutional right established under Roe v. Wade and upheld as precedent for nearly half a century. It will significantly impair women's access to the health care they need, particularly for communities of color and individuals with low incomes. It also deputizes private citizens to bring lawsuits against anyone who they believe has helped another person get an abortion, which might even include family members, health care workers, front desk staff at a health care clinic, or strangers with no connection to the individuals. This further isolates individuals who are facing this tough choice. And I would note, for those of you who didn't see, people who report uh, who, who for these private citizens could get up to $10,000 for reporting somebody who is seeking an abortion. So our focus and the president's focus is uh, to reiterate our deep commitment to the uh, constitutional right, of course, established by Roe v. Wade nearly five decades ago, and to continue to call for the codification of Roe, something that the president talked about on the campaign trail, the vice president talked about on the campaign came trail, and this highlights even further the need to move forward on that effort. Move forward on what effort? To codify Roe versus Wade. To codify Roe versus Wade. What's that mean? To make it an actual law. Representative Seaball was on the floor arguing against the Bill of Equal Protection calling Roe versus Wade law, the law of the land. It's been a law for 50 years. It hasn't been law for 50 years. And someone, this begs the question, how did you ever get elected to this position? When you took your hand and you said, I swear an oath to uphold and protect the, the Constitution of the United States, the question should be asked, did you read it? <laughs> Did you read it before you swore the oath? So you swore an oath to uphold a document that you clearly do not understand. Roe versus Wade is not the law of the land. And the people who understand it best are the Democratic pro-choicers. They know it's not the law of the land. So the question has to be asked, what are you doing helping them? Why are you helping their cause by actually using an argument that they don't even believe? They don't believe Roe versus Wade is the law of the land. Proof of that is 24 hours before you said it, they tried to make it the law of the land and they failed by two votes. Yeah, hopefully that's thorough enough. I, 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 think that, I think that was what they call in the industry a slam dunk. Yeah. I'd <laughs> soccer again. Um <laughs> Like, okay, everyone listening, like, this is this is what everyone needs to see. Like, these frauds work for us, right? We vote them in the office. We're paying their bills or paying their salaries with our taxes. Um, I It blows my mind. And I think, the, in general, constituents would, would be flabbergasted at how many of these elected officials do not understand that a Supreme Court ruling is not law. We hear this time and time again. And I, it blows my mind that he would stand there on, on live TV and say that. It's just nonsense. So please, 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 please don't vote for these frauds. 
when they when they don't even understand how law works. Um, that's what they're supposed to be doing for a profession. Um, so I'm just gonna say this: if you are in, he's in District Five, by the way, in Louisiana. So if you're watching this in Louisiana and you're in District Five, please let him know. Um, Representative Ivy is District 65. If you're in his district, please let him know that you're not pleased with with how they're handling things. But yeah, I just had to say, I mm-hmm. when I watched this live, Zach was Zach knows he was in the other room. We both yelled out, and you heard Danny even say, "No, it's not." Right. Uh, Apparently, everyone just, else there did too. <laughs> yeah, it's mind blowing that yeah. he would get up there and say that. Right. Okay, let's go through more. It is the law. Look, I grade the constitutional law section of the bar exam. Um, every year, there is a question on the exam about a bill, hypothetical, passed by the Louisiana legislature. Every year. And it's a, some kooky law. So when I'm reading bills, I, I look for, is this a good bar exam question? This isn't even a good bar exam question. I promise you, if any examinee read this and argued that it was not a violation of the state and federal constitution, he's going to fail the bar exam. False. And I'll offer a challenge that I'm sure our constitutional attorney, Bradley Pierce, would gladly take you up on. How about this, Representative Seaball? You say you're an attorney. Let's have you as an attorney and our constitutional attorney, Bradley Pierce, come on the show and we'll do a debate. We'll do a debate over whether or not this is constitutional and whether or not Roe versus Wade is law. Let's do that. How about that? So there's the invitation, Representative Seaball. We will have you on. We'll treat you with respect. We'll treat you with dignity. But you can have a debate with our constitutional attorney and yourself over what you just said there. How about that? Immediately. Because th- this it's not even close. But this bill has problems other than constitutional. It criminalizes essential elements of in vitro fertilization. It does not actually make, specifically make in vitro illegal, but it makes elements that are essential to successful in vitro fertilizations illegal. What's amazing is that um, the legislators not only had that refuted days before, but they were all handed um, a letter, a single page, essentially, um, that refuted that argumentation, and it was on their desks and um, on the floor. And I'm going to just read to you what this says uh, about that. Would the bill prohibit in vitro fertilization? Again, this is what they received. No. Since 1986, state law has prohibited, prohibited the intentional destruction of a viable living in vitro fertilized human ovum. And it gives the Louisiana state code. This bill would not change that. Fertility specialists can continue to perform ethical IVF procedures in Louisiana. Did you catch that? He's lying. Representative Seaball is lying. It is already the law in the state of Louisiana that they cannot just dispose of and destroy a human being that has already been created. Get the point? Right. And is it a problem for us who are pro-life, Mr. Seaball, since you say you believe life, life begins at conception, is it a problem for you that you would actually have standards um, upheld in an industry where they're not allowed to simply just create human life and destroy it? Don't we want the industry that depends on the value and beauty of human life and its preservation? Don't we want that industry who says that they believe that and they want that? Don't we want them to have standards that say they're not just going to create that human life and destroy it? All this does is provide definitions and all it does is provide protections. It doesn't, it doesn't destroy that industry. It says you better do it ethically. Don't create 12 human beings to make one and then destroy the others. Is that wrong to say that to them? 
Don't we all believe you shouldn't do that, Seaball? Don't you believe they shouldn't be doing that? And so when he brought this up on the floor, it had already been thoroughly refuted to his face. And they already had this on their desks. Simple refutation. We all know people who were not able to conceive except for in vitro fertilization. It is not something that I'm ready to outlaw. Lies. Does not lie. You notice how he changed it there? Yeah. 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 You're lying. You're lying through your teeth to resist the Bill of Equal Protection. You are lying through your teeth, and I challenge you to debate on it. See if you can actually endure cross-examination. How about that? We'll have you on. We'll see if you can endure cross-examination about the claim that you just made. Um, It criminalizes women. Say that however you want, but it... This, this bill criminalizes women. Um, one of the issues that Representative Ivey brought up is... Let's address it. Section 5 of the bill. This act applies to crimes committed on or after the effective date of this act. Yeah. Right. And so what it says is, um, all human life begins at conception. Seaball says he believes that. It says all human life deserves equal protection Representative Seaball says that he believes that, which would mean that if a mother killed her child in the womb, she would be guilty of the unjustified taking of human life, which Representative Seaball says he believes, but he doesn't want her to be seen as a criminal for it because the pro-life industry told him that's not our doctrine. That's the truth. The judges can be removed or impeached if they rule against this bill. The only way that I know of to remove a judge is to impeach them. So I don't know what the, what the or is, removed or impeached, but it just doesn't, doesn't seem to make any sense. And look, let me be very clear. If passage of House Bill 813 would prevent one abortion, one, I would not be standing here right now. But this bill will not prevent a single abortion from occurring, not one. If anybody has told you that passage of 813 will prevent a single abortion, they misled you or they don't know how the law works. Because the fact of the matter is, if we pass this bill and the Senate passes this bill and the governor signs this bill, it will be enjoined the next day. Because Roe versus Wade is still the law of the land. Get it? There you go. There's his foundation. It wouldn't save one life because Roe versus Wade is the law of the land says the man who raised his hand to support and defend the Constitution, and that Constitution says that Congress creates law, not the Supreme Court, says the man who was existing in Louisiana 24 hours after the Democrats tried to codify Roe versus Wade, because it's not the law of the land. So he says, I would do it if it would save one child, but Roe versus Wade is the law of the land. Take away his premise? You take away his arguments. Get it? It's not going to save any child. Give me your premise. Why? Because Roe versus Wade is the law of land. Nope. So your argument has failed. That's the truth. Take away his premise. You take away the man's argument. The U.S. Supreme Court said you can't do this. So the injunction would go into place and it would not be lifted until Roe versus Wade is overturned. And guess what? We already have laws which are going to go into effect when Roe versus Wade is overturned. So we don't need this bill. Laws that would provide financial penalties to the abortionist who kills the child, but laws that would not actually say that it's human from conception, equal protection, and that nobody can kill a child in the womb, Mm -hmm. including mothers, including fathers. So sorry. 
it's not the case that abortion would just somehow be abolished because of right. the pro-life partial partiality bills that you put into place. It's just not true. And Representative Seabaugh, if you want to debate that point, come on the show. You'll be treated with respect. You'll be treated with love, but you'll also have to give an account for what you've said and we'll do it under cross-examination. So it's already protected. And look, we're a nation of laws. I've heard a lot. There's a guy wearing a shirt outside and I have several people tell me, why don't we just ignore Roe? Wouldn't that be fun if we could just ignore the Supreme Court? Look, we're a nation of laws. We can't do that. Then why'd you do it two hours earlier for a medicinal flower? Good question. I think it's right to ask it. This hearing took place. I can't remember what time it was. Maybe it was five o'clock, somewhere around there. And before that, you had you had vote taking place regarding a medicinal flower, marijuana, federal law against marijuana and court cases against marijuana. And you seem to be completely settled and have solace about the fact that you can resist the federal government, courts and laws when it comes to a medicinal flower. And now you're making arguments that we're not allowed to do that. You had literally just done it. You just did it. And now you're saying we can't do it. We can do it for a flower, but we can't do it for these children. That's an inconsistency you're going to have to answer for, sir. Well, let me give you a hypothetical. Let's say that right now, the, one of the penalties for murder is the death penalty. It's available. It's in the books. If you know somebody has committed murder, you cannot go over to their house and shoot them. You can't do that without facing the consequences. It is itself, in fact, murder. You can't do that. We cannot ignore the law. We have a rule of law in this country, and we can't do that. Look, the, the, who's advocating for that? I don't know what in the world he's even what talking a about. Horrible argument. It was a terrible argument, it, and I, I'd maybe like to have him explicate on that because it made no sense. The, Representative McCormick is obviously committed. He has deep commitment. The people here supporting him have commitment. But this bill's passage would not prevent a single abortion, not one. Because Roe versus Wade is law. Again, take away the, the premise, you take away his argument. His entire argument is Roe versus Wade is law. It is, in fact, not the law, and so his argument has failed. Um, and I would like to go ahead and offer the amendment at this time, which I'll have on your computer. I don't know if it's been passed out, but you can see there it is essentially Representative Jackson's Senate Bill 342. It keeps the Roe versus Wade triggers in place. If and when Roe versus Wade is over. All right, I'll skip all that. You guys can go look it up yourself. All it is is just a typical pro-life mm -hmm. um, bill of partiality. Kill these, but not those, and all these different you know things. Not justice is not established by any means for the pre-born. It is a, a weak need, compromised pro-life establishment bill, and uh, they were comfortable in um, in avoiding the abolition of this injustice. They were comfortable with avoiding equal protection to go for a bill that did not provide equal protection. That was a bill of partiality. And so I'll let you guys go read that on your own to see the amendments. Uh, but I want to address one important thing that came up uh, from another person who was being dishonest about the bill. And that was the issue of, um, uh, would, could anyone who has been involved with an abortion in the past be prosecuted? That was, yeah, I read yeah. section five. And <clears> I they were arguing that, you know, this yeah. would go after women who have already had abortions. It says very clearly, no, first section, first section five of the bill. So in the bill itself, they were saying yeah. this will get women who have already done it. It'll go back and retroactively get them in the bill itself. 
it says explicitly prohibits retroactive enforcement. Quote, this act applies to crimes committed on or after the effective date of this act. Secondly, the Louisiana Constitution also prohibits retroactive enforcement. Article 1. Well, you get the point. So here's the point. In order to resist this Bill of Equal Protection, they had to lie through their teeth about it. And they had to actually show um, an amazing amount of ignorance about the bill itself, because when they said this will retroactively go after mothers, when the bill explicitly says it will not do that, cannot do that, and it says it's on or after the date of the establishment of justice. So in other words, to resist this bill of equal protection, you were forced to lie about it. Why? Why would anybody do such a thing? Why would you, if you hold to the truth and you have integrity, why would you lie about a bill so you can stop it from passing? I think it's an important question to ask. Next question, people were trying to throw out, if a woman has a stillbirth or a miscarriage, she's going to be prosecuted. Here's the answer to that. Hand it out to all the legislators. Could the bill punish women who have had a miscarriages? No. Nothing in the bill would in any way apply to accidental or natural deaths. What's a miscarriage? Terrible, sad, horrible. It's happened to my family. It's awful. It's a painful experience. It's a natural death. That's not the... With with malice of forethought, yeah, willful and intentional. With malice of forethought, taking of human life, it is a terrible experience for a family to go through. You're in tears over it because you want that baby, and that baby dies naturally. It's a fallen world. That is not homicide. And to lie about this bill by saying it's going to prosecute miscarriages and stillbirths, it's a lie. It's a lie, and there's no way out of that lie. And do you want to have anything you want to say to that? That's all. Luke? No, I don't have anything to add to that. Yeah, I just quickly. Again, we we forced them to be honest about their position. So as you can see from Representative Seaball, what essentially, and this is what the amendments were, they refused to to criminalize a mo mother under any circumstance whatsoever, which is deplorable. Um, this to lie and say that it's not going to save any children at all is just it's a lie there's 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 nothing to it again you see their their fear of the supreme court you see um their view that the that roe is law and it that's that's what we're dealing with that's what is allowing uh abortion to still take place the incompetence of the pro-life industry and actually and i know you mentioned this briefly earlier jeff but this is so say say roe's overturned today the fight that we have uh, on our hands is going to look a little different, but not totally different. Um, the, these trigger laws and in a lot of these conservative states, it will be illegal for an abortionist to murder a child. But like we've said, uh, it they've they've legalized it for the mother. Mm -hmm. So we still we're still going to have this fight on our hands. We're still going to have to to criminalize it for the mother. And this fight's not over with. Um, so, so all that they're doing is shifting, um, shifting the way children are legally murdered mm -hmm. in the womb. They're shifting it and they're making it, uh, it's going to be through abortifacients. It's going to be through mail or, or like you mentioned, medicine, potions, yeah. co coat hangers, like you name it, it's going to shift it. Um, but the fight's not over. We just going to have a different fight on our hands. And one less objection seemingly to deal with. Yeah. If Roe goes down. Yeah, what what changes? Ultimately nothing in terms of the fight being the same. 
equal protection is the same issue. All the, the helpful aspect, as we've said, is that with the Supreme Court overturned, it will hopefully remove the cowardice aspect from this fight where people are, are, are cowering in fear to the Supreme being, sorry, court. Um, and hopefully they'll have the courage to actually stand on principle and conviction. But the fight's the same. Babies are still going to be dying. We have to establish justice, period. So uh, we skip past a lot because it just goes on a little bit. We've dealt with the major objections. All and- my supporters are here today. Now, this is an odd place. Because a week ago, the one, the gentleman that, that's offering the amendment was one of my biggest supporters and encouragers in telling me that it's time to do this. But this isn't about me. It's not about anybody in this room. It's about the 20 day, babies a day that are being ripped out of the wombs of the mothers by hands, by their feet, and tore apart. That's something we need to address. But evidently, the political winds are blowing and it won't be addressed today. I'll be glad when we come in here and we can abolish abortion, do away with it, be done with it. That's what I'm looking forward to. The main reason I can't uh, support this amendment is because this amendment does away with equal protection. Equal protection gives the unborn baby the same rights as a born baby. That's what it does. You know, it's, it's really simple. And if we don't do that, if we vote for this amendment, we say those babies are subhuman. Now, if we don't believe life begins at conception, hey, I, I understand that completely. I understand. But my conviction is solid. And last I've asked Representative Seaball when he supported my bill, and everybody in here that talked to me, bring me amendment. We want to work with everybody in here. We want to make this bill better. Not one amendment, not one conversation that brought an amendment to the, to the floor. You know, we talk about Representative Seaball sits up here and shoots holes in this, in this legal document. All due respect, I love him. But he's, he's an insurance attorney. If I went to him and asked him to defend me in this case, he would say you would need to go hire somebody that knows something about this. Now, as you very well know as lawyers, we can put 20 in a room and they can log, argue what the definition of is, is for three days. That, it's that simple. But anyhow, I do appreciate your time, and I do respect all of you, and I thank you for the opportunity, and God bless you. So I wanted to let you guys see this. If you didn't see it, um, make sure I get it in here. Um, make sure I get the right spot here. I'm, I want you guys to get a chance to see what I thought was most important aspect of this. The vote came down where they wanted to vote in the uh, amendments, which basically gutted the entire bill. It just gutted it. It made it into something that was not the not equal protection. It was n- nothing near it. It was a Frankenstein bill, um, and uh, they voted to pass to pass the amendments on the bill. But because it was Danny McCormick's bill, he had the right to stop them from doing it and to shelf his bill. So here's what he did. Representative McCormick on your bill. Hello. And like I said, I do want to say I appreciate this. And I don't want this conversation to end. But I think it's ended for today. Mr. Speaker, if you don't mind, I'd like to remove this bill back to the calendar. And uh, we appreciate we appreciate you. Thank you. All right. That right there. 
was the move I thought, oh, all glory to God. They tried to gut his bill. They tried to make it into something that was unjust. And what he did, rather than just throwing up his hands and saying, well, I guess I failed. I guess I give up. Okay, you're just going to turn this into a bill of injustice, an iniquitous decree. What he did is he actually took it away from them. He said, nope, put it back on the calendar. And so they didn't get a chance to get the gutted bill that they were fighting for so that they could continue to say, no, 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 I voted on 813. He didn't give them that. He didn't give them that chance. He said, you're going to try to actually not allow this to be a bill of justice. He said, put it back on the calendar. I won't let you do it. That is a man of courage. Pray for him. Pray for his family. I'm going to tell you, I spent a lot of time with Danny and um, he's a good man. He's a good, good man. He loves the Lord and he did what uh, I think many of us wouldn't even been able to do. Very courageous. So praise God for Representative Danny McCormick for being so consistent and courageous. Um, and uh, I'll let you guys uh, add any final thoughts here. No, I don't have much to add in addition other than thankful for the, the progress that was made on this, thankful for what it accomplished, and looking forward to what the future brings as a result of it. Luke? The gangster move by Danny. I love that man. Uh, you can also reach out to Danny and encourage him. You can reach out to his office because he's going to need uh, encouragement and support. And so thank you. Thank you, Danny. And uh, I forgot to mention early at the beginning of the show, we got to thank AR500 for giving us those tools of liberty. Uh, which actually you're going to go see him here shortly. Yeah, I got uh, I got to leave right from here and go up north. I was to supposed to go to, but now hang I out with our guys. Yeah, Cross Politic up north in uh, Arizona They're doing a special event tonight. So check out Cross Politic uh, for what we're doing. I know Dr. White and I are going up there, and so I got to eat something before I get up yeah. there. My head's not working now. <laughs> Long show. Uh, thanks, Luke, for coming in via Skype or Zoom. Uh, thank you all for watching. Uh, Thank you so much for what you did to be a part of this with us. Everybody, thank you so, so much. Um, there were moments where we knew we had to do something. We had to move earth and sky. And we we're like, how is that going to happen? And praise God, we were able to say, we can do that. Because we have the support of all these believers who have already provided the way. I, I mean, honestly, when a need came up, it was like, Man, I didn't see that coming. We've got to pay for that. Praise God. You guys made it to where we could just simply say, we have all the tools we need. We can do that. We can go purchase that thing right now because we have to have it for this. We can do it because God's people have been so faithful. So thank you. I can't tell you what it means to us to be able to say, we have to do this for the sake of these children. We can do it because we have God's people with us. You guys provided the foundation financially to do it. So I want to thank you for that. This bill is not my bill. It's not Luke's bill. It's not Zach's bill. It is the bill of the church. We work together to make this happen. So if you have prayed and paid for this, praise God. Now let's keep going. Let's finish this. We're going to win. And so it's going to win with we're going to win with faithfulness. And so we need your help. We need your prayers. If you can, go to endabortionnow.com. Give there. Go give at endabortionnow.com because the fight is, we're in the midst of it and it's getting good for us. So all glory to God. And uh, we have a ways to go, but we need you with us. So please go give there. We'll catch you next week right here on Apologia Radio. That's Luke the Bear. Peace out. Zach. See ya. I'm Jeff. They call me a ninja. We'll catch you next week right here on Apologia Radio. Mm-hmm.